Warning, we're going to be discussing events for currently running weekly anime. If you want to avoid spoilers for certain shows, there are timestamps in the description. And we're back! Hey everybody, welcome back to the Time Sync Anime Podcast. Uh, sorry that we were gone for about two weeks. Now, we we were sick, or last week, this one over here was sick. Yeah, I so the last episode we recorded, I was already getting pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why we recorded kind of a shorter episode. But that got worse, and I got to the point where I could barely talk, and I just actually couldn't record yeah um basically rex told me uh, last week when we were supposed to record it's like dude i i can't do this like unless you want to record the episode in like 10 minute chunks we're yeah, like, not gonna be record able to for 10 minutes wait a few hours record another 10 minutes <laughs> yeah it's like that that doesn't seem like it'd be a good a good time for anyone and i don't imagine it'd be a good thing for people to listen to so yeah. anyway so welcome back to the show and welcome back to us, I guess, since we're actually back. Yeah, uh, I am the the artist formerly known as Rex, and I'm and I'm JT. Uh, no affiliation. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so this is week. We're talking about week uh, five and six. Yep. Pretty so much. this is going to be a bit of a longer episode. So disclaimer: this will be a longer episode. Please strap yourselves in for the duration <laughs> of the episode. Yeah, because we got. Uh, we're going to be covering pretty much the events of uh, weeks five and six because, yeah, we were sick. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. So, like I said, this is going to be a longer episode. Uh, so we <laughs> saw uh, a silent voice recently in theaters, and that was incredibly good. Yeah, it was very good. Like, again, Kyoto Animation with a movie budget. Yeah, I I don't cry a mm. lot in movies. Uh, but by the end of that movie, movie, I was pretty much just like, hey, who put all these tears in my eyes? Who's chopping onions? The damn onion ninjas are back! <laughs> like, I I actually did not cry, but I was getting choked up towards the end. It oh, was man. it was a very emotional flick. Yeah, and spoilers aside, yeah, it was very emotional, very well done. Like, nine, I'd give it like a 9 out of 10, probably. I would, I would probably give it... I would probably give it a nine, high eight at the very late at the very latest. Yeah, so eight and a half. Would uh, recommend absolutely. Uh, like the DVDs come out. It was it April. Yeah, I want to say like because uh, during the screening that we were at, they were actually advertising it like some of the early like clips and stuff. Like uh, the Blu-ray is supposed to be coming out. I want to say in late April, like April twenty fifth, something like that. I remember that because our friend had basically said, "Yeah, I'm buying that as soon as it comes out because I've been waiting for this movie forever." And we watched it in Japanese, so yeah, it was, no, yeah, it was, the cast was pretty good. It was pretty good. I'm not saying it was. I'm not saying it wasn't. I wonder how they did in English because uh, apparently for the English dub, they actually hired a deaf actress to voice the girl. Yeah. So they, uh, yeah, I guess the Japanese wasn't the Japanese voice actress wasn't deaf, but she definitely did a very good job portraying a deaf person. Exactly, but. All the same, it would have been. In- it's going to be interesting hearing somebody who's actually deaf. I think yeah, that's really watch, cool. I'll probably watch the dub. Just you know, it'll give me another excuse to watch the movie again. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I, if you haven't seen it in theaters, highly recommend uh, buying it or mooching off of someone else who's yeah, mooching off of a friend out. who's going to buy it. <laughs> um, so, uh, news, news yeah. for these past two weeks. Uh, Our anime news correspondent Rex. Uh, we got. Uh, an announcement for a new season of Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. There was a a little attachment or a, a slip on the 
the manga that came out. The, like the most recent, uh, the most recent volume of the manga. Yeah, in Japan. Yeah, uh, and uh, it just like it was like TV anime season two announced. Woo! Uh, we haven't got an announcement for the studio yet. What was it? It was A One, right? It was Kyoto. Ki- oh yeah, no, yeah, duh. It was Kyoani. Yes, yeah, Kyoto Animation. <laughs> um, that that did the first season. I'm assuming they'll probably come back because it was a very well received show. Very, yeah, very popular. And if it and it totally mooched off of Konosuba for best comedy that year, but that aside, it was hilarious. Yeah, I it was. Absolutely loved the show. It was. It was an enjoyable show. Like it was definitely very feel good. Like mm-hmm. it was just kind of nice to just kind of sit and relax too, which is fine in and of itself. Yeah, I really liked uh, the dub. Like I watched the sub. Uh, like when it first came out, pretty much. But I watched the dub. I think like a few months ago, and yeah. I had an absolute blast with it. I yeah. think the the voice actors for Toru for Toru is she she stole the show. In my yeah, opinion. no, she, that, she was the best. Thing that is that, that is generally the thing I've heard. Also, she stole the show in the freaking outtakes. Those, <laughs> those were the outtakes for what the English scissor? dub. <laughs> the outtakes for the dub are out on YouTube somewhere. Just look up Miss Kobayashi's. Uh, Dragon Make dub outtakes, you'll yeah. find them. They're pretty funny to listen to. So, uh, next up we got the Funimation, uh, the Funimation, Funimation founder, uh, Gen Fukunaga steps down as the general manager for Funimation. Really? Yeah, he, he said he's definitely, he's gonna be closely involved with the company still, but recently the company's ta- really, really taken off, uh, he said after, like, Sony mm. got in the picture and he, he, uh, he wants to step down and kind of take a different role for the company i guess hmm. that's interesting i i don't know exactly how i feel about that because on one hand it's like you've seen the name for anybody who's watched funimation stuff growing up the name gen fukunaga just immediately just kind of sticks out in your head so it's just kind of it's going to be interesting but i don't real. i'm not a big fan of their decision to break away from verb i'm still very yeah. salty about that <laughs> but on the other hand that's gave high dive and Sentai's just been going up in quality for their dubs in recent, uh, in the last year, actually. They've gotten really good. Yeah. So, Can't wait for the Girls' Last Tour dub. Yeah, the Girls' Last Tour dub. That's coming out, I want to also say sometime mm-hmm. in April, I think. But yeah, maybe some things will change with animation. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure Sony's the one who made the decision to pull out of her. Yeah, probably. Uh, but, you know, maybe we'll see some changes in their website. I know a lot of people complain that oh, their streaming God. service isn't very good. Their website, their website really has a lot of issues. As someone who's ha- as someone who's used the Funimation website and their streaming service before, yeah, it's got problems, for sure. So, so last up, we got uh, Link's Horizon and Cinema Staff are going to be returning for the opening and ending of the second part of Season 3 of, Atta- season three of Attack on Titan. Yes! Which I don't know, like, maybe they're going to switch around. I mean, I, okay, I really liked the opening that Cinema Staff did for yeah. the last, uh, the last, the first part of Season 3, mm-hmm. uh, but I would... I still want Link Horizon more. Like, yeah, we, the ending, but I'd rather have them do another opening. Yeah, I like that that bombastic opening. I I'm wondering about that because that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the series has definitely taken a really different direction. Like, and which is as we've talked about before, or as I personally talked about before, I love that intro. Like the yeah, it's really good. Intro. It took me off guard at first. Yeah, it, I, I was not expecting it, it yeah. at all. It was definitely different, but that wasn't a bad thing. Yeah, I. I would be perfectly fine with them doing the opening again and then Link to Rise and do the ending again. But yeah. it's, just, it's cool that they're both going to be back. Yeah, that is really cool. So, now that all the news is out of the way, let's get right on to the shows that we're talking about. Starting us up, Boogie Pop and others. We're starting off with a 
simmer. Let's be honest here. When you, oh yeah, just the, the it's a very it's a very slow paced show. Yeah. I and as I've said before, that is not a bad thing. But this isn't the. It's not going off with a bang. It's definitely more of a simmer. Yeah, we're getting a, a lot more information on. Uh, Orihata's uh, yeah, Orihata, that's her name, yeah. Yeah, Orihata, uh, aka Camille. Her her conflict with she's trying to obey uh, Spooky E, mm-hmm. uh, but also trying to help out uh, Masaki, who she's pretty much fallen in love with at this point. Yeah, exactly. That is um, that was an interesting uh, conflict because we're entering part four. Was it part four or part five? I think it's part four. Yeah, yeah we just finished like part four of this the, arc. And I, I hate it, the naming. Like they they named like the first couple episodes, and then these past four have just been part one, two, three, and four. Yeah, like, Boogie Pop versus Imaginator. But the thing about that is we barely actually see Boogie Pop, but or on, the Imaginator. Yeah, for that matter, <laughs> we have seen we have seen the Imaginator, uh, or I guess the Imaginator, a couple times at least as it's been portrayed through Gene Asakai. Well, the Imaginator isn't really, like, in him or anything. It's just the Imaginator's there to, like, give him advice about his abilities and stuff. Yeah. She's definitely the one pulling his strings. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I will say that the cool thing about Boogie Pop is it's kind of subtle, but uh, if you notice, like, the voice actor for um, uh, Toka, um, for Toka Miyashita, and then Boogie Pop personality are both different voice actors, for one thing. For two... When Asakai's cousin came in for the uh, for advice, it, like immediately, like the boogie pop persona took over and started talking, and it was just like I love how the show just <coughs> didn't really call attention to it or anything, just on a dime they just switched. It's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, wasn't her friend like, oh, I'd notice if there was anything different with you, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. Would you? It's like, would you? Her voice pattern and her speaking pattern, her voice, everything. Her face. About, yeah, everything about her changed. So. Her friend Suema, as it turns out. She's, like, somebody who's, like... She's a cool character. She's, like, interested in, like, abnormal psychology and shit like that. And we start to get a little bit more insight into what Jin is capable of doing, it seems. What I've seen so far, or what I've gathered so far, is that he's able to take someone and remove all stress from their life, pretty much. Like, put him in, in almost, like, a, a peaceful state where they don't care about anything yeah and by not caring about anything they just are more willing to follow orders regardless of what they are it seems yeah because he even said something to the effect of await a further instructions and it seems like he's this is not the first time he's done this so at this point now we have boogie pop uh the toa organization and now the imaginator uh pulling Jin's strings so it's kind of like three different forces kind of working against each other remember that guy from the first episode yeah <laughs> you mean her you mean uh, her boyfriend yeah. <laughs> yeah you remember when he was kind of relevant um yeah we haven't really seen him lately this yeah. uh, this series definitely takes you off in some weird freaking directions uh, so, so now we got uh masaki becoming a like de facto boogie pop mm-hmm. pretty much because uh, i think that was the orders that uh, Orihata got. Mm-hmm. She's because uh, uh, Spooky East's plan is to have someone go out as uh, quote unquote Boogie Pop, and then have them die, and then I guess I'm not really sure where his plan is from there. It, if I had to guess, it's probably that it has something to do with like luring the real Boogie Pop out. Because if a Boogie, because if the real Boogie Pop finds out that a fake got killed in its name, it's probably going to investigate it. 
I think something of that nature, because its main goal is it wants to find Boogie Pop and probably kill them. Yeah. Like, uh, I think it's just because he realizes Boogie Pop is a threat and he mm-hmm. wants to get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think, so Boogie Pop's like a myth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they said that they show up to help when things are needed. Yeah. But I'm wondering if... If, if society thinks that Boogie Pop is just a person and the person dies, I wonder if Boogie Pop will exist anymore. Hmm. Maybe. Because, like, what, if, if the society doesn't believe in Boogie Pop, is Boogie Pop even going to be around an anymore? An interesting thing about that, it's only teenage girls that are familiar with the whole origin story of Boogie Pop. Oh, like, is it? Yeah, like, that's mo- it's most commonly known, at least, among uh, teenage girls, because even teenage girls are the ones talking about it. And then Suema even said that she's doesn't really believe in those, but at the same time, she recognizes the need for something like that, and basically how Boogie Pop is sort of like a thing to protect people, which is what she told Orihata when uh, she was looking like she was going to jump off the roof, mm. which is interesting when she asked uh, Misaki, of all people, to be Boogie Pop. It, it was probably her orders, but part of me was also thinking after that, it had something to do with she wanted somebody to protect her, and she thought Misaki could do it. I was kind of curious about that. That might have been that might have been like part of her reasoning, but yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was just her. Yeah, ways. exactly. Because Spooky E, we don't re- like. He seems to have at least similar abilities as uh, Jin does. Like at least similar. Like he's capable of like forcing people to do what he wants by brainwashing them. Yeah. Like, I think it's, like, more forcibly brainwashing and less, whereas, like, Jin is more of, like, suggestion mm-hmm. after they've... After mm-hmm. they've basically had, like, everything removed from them. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely more of that because, uh... Because he can't, like, completely get rid of, like, issues that they have. Like, uh... I want to say his name was Ando or something like that. The the, the, the guy high school who, kid? Yeah, the guy who had yeah. a crush on another guy. Yeah. Yeah, like he was like he showed up at a school and he started crying because it looked familiar. Like he felt like he was missing something. He just mm-hmm. didn't know what it was. Yeah, the same thing happened with uh, Kinokawa when, yes. when, he, when he found her alone and ended up brainwashing her. And then like when she was in the bar uh, trying to find figure out more about the uh, Imaginator, she had a moment of like, nope, can't access that memory. Yeah. And then which, he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Which I want to point out something about that. It seemed like it was less her acting and him acting in her body like because because yeah he didn't she pointed out that she's not uh she's not a terminal she's a copy yeah so i'm assuming she's just a copy of spooky pretty much yeah exactly um the other the other interesting thing about that was uh it was actually a little snide remark she said like when she just dropped the bag of money on the table and it's like this is nothing at least not to me and of course not to you, because it's not really <laughs> yeah. going to be your problem. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, like, as soon as he took her over, or yeah. Yeah, brainwashed her or whatever, she, she like pulled out, or yeah, like, pulled out her wallet and saw like a black card, and he's like, I can use this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, the thing about, the thing about Boogie Pop is that we haven't, like I said earlier, we haven't really seen much of, we haven't seen much of them, really. Like, we saw Toka, like, briefly taken over by Boogie Pop, but... Not really Boogie Pop acting. Yeah. And uh, it kind of led lends a little bit more credence to the whole urban legend sort of deal. Like, we just see just enough of them to think that they might be real, but they also might not be. Yeah. Like, it's sort of like what they did in... Uh, I think this was also a Madhouse production. In, they sort of... What they did with uh, Monster, Johann Liebert. He was sort of... It, they kind of kept him... In the early episodes, he was around 
just enough to make you think that he was real, but then he would disappear, and there would be points in the, when you're watching, you're like, was he real? Is this really just something that people are making up in their heads? Uh, okay. It definitely kind of creates the sense of doubt and uncertainty, and I think that's a pretty clever convention. I think it might be like a twist later on, or it's like Boogie Pop never existed in the first place. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna. Be <laughs> then who cut my hand off? <laughs> it was you. Yeah, the episode ended, uh, the most recent episode ended with uh, Masaki deciding that he wants to keep being Boogie Pop for, I think I think he wants to help Orihata. Yeah. Uh, and he realizes she's in some, some kind of trouble, but he's, I think he's trying to piece it together. He's, yeah. he's like, I can't go home for a while, I gotta figure this yeah, out. Yeah, which it turns, it's kind of interesting that uh, he's a vigilante and his older sister, I don't know if she's actually his older sister, is also a vigilante pretty much. I think because that's they Nagi. have different last names. Yeah, they do. It, may, but it might be like adopted or something. Probably he treats her like his oldest. Oh yeah. yeah. And speaking of adop- speaking of adoptions, like we find out a little bit more about Jean's backstory, like and who he was oh, yeah. through specifically through uh, Kinokawa. She brings up that uh, she basically fallen in love with her cousin because <laughs> as you do in anime, uh, I love the line of I, I was. I was relieved that he stayed as my cousin and not my brother. And interesting about that is I'm pretty sure that marriage between first cousins is legal in Japan. Yeah. Okay, it is. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't for sure about it's that. It's not like a crazy thing that's how it is in like here here in the here in America. Yeah, here in the West. Where we have kissing cousins. <laughs> oh god. But yeah, that's a but yeah, the whole like she, I'm glad that he was my cousin still sort of thing. Definitely lends a little bit more yeah. to that. So but. we'll see uh, where Masaki's going off yeah. in the next episode. Maybe more actually Boogie Pop. Maybe we'll I don't get... I don't want Masaki to die. Oh, he seems probably, like he's a, probably going to die. No, he's going to. <laughs> he seems like it, but he seems like a good kid and I don't want him to die. Yeah. That's going to suck. So uh, next up we have uh, Dororo. All right. These last two episodes were absolutely fucking amazing. Like, we we got two really good episodes back-to-back in this show. Like, the show has been pretty good all along, but uh, these last two episodes, I think, are some of the best. Because Did you the, say it's amazing? Like, I, I liked them, but, like, it, it, was, it wasn't, like, crazy good to me. Um, I don't it, know, just, like, some of the... personally really liked the show? Yeah, like, I think the, uh, I think a lot of the direction decisions and stuff like that in these most recent episodes are just really good. Like... The whole episode, <coughs> the whole episode in week five was about the cursed sword and him eventually regaining his hearing. Spoiler warning: he regains his hearing at the end of this yeah. episode. <laughs> but uh, I thought that was really cool, like just like the effective, like just like how there is very little music in the episode. It's just rainfall throughout most of it, and it's very subtle until the very end. Yeah, and just imagine, like imagine for a second, you can't hear your entire for your entire life. And the first thing you hear is heavy rainfall and somebody crying. Yeah. That I was like, oh, geez, that's yeah. I mean, suck. I mean, that's just the equivalent of like being in a quiet room and then all of a sudden turns someone turns on a really, really loud radio or something. Yeah, and it's just incredibly loud, and all you can hear is that. So you because like it, it pretty much crippled him. Like he 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 like fell to the ground because mm-hmm. he, he could hear everything. Uh, there there was a point where he he almost cut off. Uh, Dororo's legs. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's like, uh, I know, I know he'll dodge it. Mm. But like, uh, when, when Dororo was running to the village with a sword, he like jumps up to the side of him and swings those legs and Dororo does like a jump over the sword. And I was like, yeah. man, like, relax, okay? It's, it's the sword. It's, 
it's not like I understand he can't see. Yeah, I'm like, pretty sure he has you know a lot of perception of you know like oh that's that size of a person. So yeah, I know exactly. And it we actually got to um, see a little bit of Dodro in action, like and kind of like more about his personality and character. Like it's kind of, it's weird. <laughs> For a series that's called Dodoro, like, Dodoro has not really been, like, the main focus of the story. Like, it's been Hyakimaru's journey. It's been about, like, half-half. Yeah. To this point. Alright, yeah, we got, we haven't got a lot of, like, background on Dodoro. All, all we know is that he was uh, an orphan. Yeah, we know. Thief. Yeah, exactly. We know that he's an orphan, we know that he's a thief. So yeah, probably, like, 60-40, I guess. Yeah, and he's definitely, like, I appreciate that despite being a child... A, a child thief he still got like a sense of childish naivety to him and a little bit of a sense of justice because mm-hmm. he was absolutely disgusted when he saw um i forget his name the sam but the samurai with the cursed sword yeah he um after he saw like all those people died he was like legitimately just upset like he's not completely world weary and i kind of appreciate that and plus, he was able to resist the willpower of the sword like he was prevented he did everything he could to make sure that he didn't get it that he didn't kill anybody with it for instance that's probably how uh the guy was at first mm. as well it also could have something to do with the, the fact that he's a kid mm. so it's probably it's harder for the sword to you know tell a kid to kill somebody i i don't think the sword really discriminates i think that it was it was dodoro's willpower because you have to remember yeah that... no i'm not saying that the sword doesn't want him to kill yeah. things i'm saying it's probably harder to convince someone who hasn't killed anyone before mm-hmm. to kill something the next episode, like, after he gets his hearing back, we see the repercussions of that, like, him just basically cowering in fear the whole time. And he hears something that doesn't immediately bother him. The sound of a hooker singing. Well, uh, that was... I'm glad that wasn't telegraphed at all. <laughs> like, looking back at it, looking back at it a, se- a second time, there was a lot of, like, there was a lot of hints that weren't so readily apparent at first. But once you know, like, the, once you know where it's going, it you start paying attention for more of that. Like, you see her bathing in a river at first. In hindsight, that makes a lot more sense when you realize, oh yeah, she's a hooker. Yeah, it's... It was, the writing was pretty um, subtle and pretty well done until the end when you actually see her getting... Yeah. Uh, sleeping with a bunch of guys. Which is, again, I wanted to say that it was pretty well done there because, uh, like... Because the whole time they're just sort of alluding to it, and then Dodoro is finally confronted with the truth of what actually is going on there. But it adds a little bit more tragedy when you realize the song that she sings is a song to comfort herself. Yeah. Because she she was singing that to herself while these guys were fucking her, pretty much. And that's actually pretty traumatizing. Pretty dark, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, jeez. And and the fact that she goes around with a smile all day, like, like taking care of the kids and stuff. It's, I mean, she's doing like the only thing she can think of doing. Yeah. To to take care of a bunch of kids. It's it's pretty sad. Um, my my favorite shot from this episode was like two like like two seconds or like one second when um Biwamaru the the old guy the old monk with the, with the funky head yeah uh, how he shows up in like that smooth motion of him uh, <laughs> he like spun his sword around and then like the screen flash and he cut the bird down. Uh, that yeah, so that was so good. Um, one of one of my and again he's we're seeing another person with a damn sword in their instrument like I saw because oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was a pipa or a shamisen or something of that nature. It was a pipa, yeah. It sure. was a pipa. Yeah. yeah, and he just pulled the sword out and then. <laughs> now my personal favorite shot of the show was actually towards the end when uh, Dodoro finally sees like um, 
Mio? Uh, Mio, yeah, when he sees Mio, and like he's covering his mouth, obviously trying not to scream and not to cry out or anything like that. But then the next shot is Hiyakimaru finally screaming out because he's oh, got yeah. his leg bitten off. Yeah, the thing goes for his one good leg. Yeah, like... Like, why couldn't you take the other one? Yeah, why'd they have to take my good squeezing arm? <laughs> but the, the thing about that is we'd seen him before, like a... Like, uses his bad leg to block swords and stuff like that, and that's all been pretty cool. I guess he'd been kind of safe for a while. Like, we hadn't really seen, like, any major... Yeah, he got kind of hurt against the bird. Yeah. But he just had to lay down for a while. But even then, he wasn't even completely healed when he went to go fight the Sarlacc pit, pretty much. (laughs) Let's be real, that was a Sarlacc pit. Sarlacc monster, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much, or an antlion, or or, or, whatever it's called, Final Fantasy. Yeah. But yeah, uh, apparently he does have vocal cords. He just yeah. didn't know how to talk. <laughs> well, yeah, he, his voice had literally been taken away. It I took don't know. getting his leg half bitten off to finally talk for the first time. Yeah, well, that and the whole, I'm pretty sure that that demon he killed was something that was like the thing that took away his voice or was gifted his voice. Did he Did he kill it? Yeah, it's dead. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's fucking dead. Yeah, just took his leg off. Yeah, there's a lot of really subtle detail like... um kind of as Hiyakimaru's slowly getting his senses back and stuff like that. Like, uh, I think when, like when the, uh, like when the samurai's younger sister shows up and try and is like talking to him and it's like, can't hear, he was like looking up at the rain. It makes me think that he could feel the rain, but part of him wanted to be able to hear it because he was slowly regaining his senses and he just wanted to know what that was like. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he's, I don't know. He's but, definitely kind of, it's an interesting journey watching him Watching someone, like, slowly gain the ability to hear and see and feel and... Although now he's got one... Although now he's got two bad legs, and it's gonna be interesting as shit when he gets his... When he gets... When he gets his other leg back. So he'll have to go back to having one good leg and one bad leg, probably. So how is that gonna work out? It's truly a... Uh, medical marvel we should just take all mute people and chop off half of their leg yeah. <laughs> maybe they'll learn how to talk that way i want i also uh, th- noticed something kind of interesting about dodoro we kind of got a little bit more hints at his backstory like because we know that he was an orphan like but this gave a little bit more credence to like he'd actively seen like samurai kill his parents because he basically said something to the effect of we'll take from the samurai too and how he does not like samurai so Probably has something to do with that. Like, yeah, why did that, he, his dad could have been a samurai? Maybe, but I don't know. He reminds me of uh, Yahiko a little bit from Roni Kenshin. Oh yeah, he was a little thief boy. Oh yeah, he started I, off as a little thief boy. I anyway. actually never really saw Roni Kenshin. It's a good watch. I've I've heard kind of the same time uh, era that this takes place in. Mm, yeah. So next up, JoJo Golden Wind. So. We finally got a we got a stand fight that wasn't total bullshit from it was Jordan. Still, it was still a little bullshit. Like was, I, I just feel like it was uh, just bullshit enough. Yeah, I feel like this season is a lot more hand wavy with abilities than uh, Diamonds and Breakable. I thought Diamonds and Breakable was a lot more clever. Yeah, with, with the uses. Although these past two episodes made me go, okay, that was actually really cool. Yeah, it was still it was still cool. Like um, just less clever a little bit. Yeah, I. uh... I don't know. I thought some of like the fight against Babyface, against Babyface, which we should talk about. Babyface. What? What was Babyface again? Like a babyhead? 
Or, or you mean what it was? <laughs> no. The English name was Babyhead. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it was like um, it, it was a computer. I think the stand is the actual computer mm-hmm. because when they killed um, babe, the thing that went out, yeah, it didn't he referred kill to him. it as a junior. It, it didn't kill Malone mm-hmm. like most stands do when you yep. kill them. Uh, but yeah, I think the stand is the actual computer, and it he has to like choose. He has to put input questions from a mom, mm-hmm. and then select that mom, and then the the little baby follows her around. And then which let me just slowly. say the let me just say the mom was a fucking bitch, by the way. Yeah, I mean, she didn't deserve to die. No, she didn't. I'm not Jesus Christ, I'm but not she sucked. That. Yeah, yeah, she was a horrible human being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she didn't deserve to die, but she was a terrible human being. I will say that the second part when. Like, you see, like, Babyface, like, or Junior, I guess, slowly taking away, like, Giorno's eye and then his vocal cords and stuff so he can't scream. Mm. And how it's just, my stand has miraculously evolved because there was actually, there actually, I thought was kind of interesting, kind of interesting way to go about it. He realized how similar their, their stand's abilities were. Like, because Gold Experience is able to take, like, an inanimate object and turn it into a living thing. Whereas Babyface has the ability to essentially do the opposite. Take a mm-hmm. living thing and turn it into a... Uh, and turn it into something inanimate. I thought that was pretty cool. And how he resolved actually killing Babyface, I thought was pretty clever. How it's like, gold experience to get your hand back. That hand was actually a bike that you just took into your body. <laughs> yeah. The the hand wavy bit, I thought that was like, okay, you took the bike into your body. How are you making it suddenly spark... In the that, convenient time to blow up. That, I will say, yeah, was a little bit more hand-wavy, but the way that he actually planned around that was, I thought, was still pretty yeah, cool. I like how he just, like, picked up a rock or something, he's like, this is not my eyeball. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he just fucking puts it back in, like, a Lego piece. Like, <laughs> alright. Yeah, just, alright, you know what, fine, whatever. I, I'm i okay with it here. <laughs> but... Also, is that, like, permanently how it is now? Or Maybe. did he pick up the piece of his eye that was... That was turned and into something else. Part of his else. leg, or I don't know. Yeah, but so that now, if he ever releases his stand abilities, he's gonna be like, <laughs> and I will. I gotta say, we got introduced to the remaining two members of the uh, of the Hitman team because because uh, Melone or Melone was killed in a really bizarre, but I think pretty clever way, like. I turned like the corpse of baby fate of the baby face. Uh, he junior. turned a vial, or no, he dropped the vial. Yeah, no, he turned he turned the corpse of baby face because he even pointed out, oh my god, it's burning, and he turned the burning corpse of baby face into a snake. No, no, he turned something else before they left into a snake. He's like the venomous snake I left at the station killed him. No, it was it was the. It was the freaking, uh, it was the burning corpse of Babyface, man. Like, are you, are you because positive? I'm absolutely positive right. because, as they pointed out before, like, things that are, like, things that are part of somebody or part of their stand will immediately try to go back to their, uh. Alright, I'll, I'll take your word for it, but someone in the comments, point out who's right. Mm. It yeah. was me. Shut up, Rex. <laughs> but the, uh, the other really cool thing is we got introduced to Giaccio. Or Giaccio and uh, Risotto. Which, all I have to say about Giaccio is, Hi, Bakugo! (laughs) Yeah, I immediately recognized uh, Nobuhiko Okamoto when when he started screaming over the phone. Yeah. I was like, ah, I recognize that scream. And I went online and double-checked it. I was like, yeah, yeah. It's like, that's totally Bakugo. Bakugo Accelerator. Yeah, Bakugo Accelerator, Zack from Angels of Death. Yeah. Among others. 
but I think it's a I think it's hilarious. Like he has a really interesting personality quirk. Like he gets like he gets upset over trite differences in metaphors. Yeah, he reminds me a little bit of um, Fugo. Yeah, and he just like snaps. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I I hadn't really put that together, but yeah, you're right. It's kind of interesting. And I think, though, that they just wanted to give the voice actor a reason to yell, because <laughs> that's what he's most famous for. Yeah, he has a... Uh, his stand is called a White Album. Yeah, which we had to, like, go back and check, because we couldn't yeah. understand what the fuck he was saying. He was screaming it over and over, and there was a lot of sound effects and stuff, but they, they translated this one to White Ice. Yeah, it was. White Ice. Yeah, but he, he had a pretty cool stand. Uh, it was really, like... I cringe so hard watching, uh, like, uh, Mista, like, get his face frozen to the side oh, of the Oh, God, car. yeah, that was, that was lovely. Yeah, I was like, that's not something that you could have just melted and been fine. Like, that was definitely, if your eyeball's frozen, it's definitely gonna cause frostbite. Oh, God, I know, right? damage of some kind. Yeah, but, eh. I guess, I guess the best way to describe JoJo's Bizarre Adventure as a whole is stands are weird. Yeah. <laughs> Just, stands are weird. They don't apply to physics or anything like that. But yeah, that was, that's a pretty strong stand. Yeah, it's, it's very different from most stands because it's actually like a suit of armor that he wears. Mm-hmm. Like, and he, and so he was able to like turn himself, like he was basically able to like coat himself in ice, like freaking use skates attached to his feet, which that was interesting. Which was interesting when Mista had fired sex pistols and caused, like, the bullet to go, like, in front of his blade, which caused him to slip and... <laughs> no, uh, he, he shot the bullets, and then, um, sex pistols ended up, like, putting the bullets under his skates. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, so yeah, then he just crashed. <laughs> and then he froze the exhaust And then they, the even ag- they even acknowledge, it's like, how cold does it have to be <laughs> to be able to do shit like that? <laughs> <laughs> and then they decide, I guess the best way to get rid of this guy is to pull a Thelma and Louise and go right into the freaking canal. Uh, yeah, after uh, Mista ended up shooting... So it was, like, too cold to use gold experience, so mm-hmm. he ended up shooting the bullets so he could use it. I love how he's like, oh, Giorno isn't able to stay say his stand ability when he uses it, so I'll do it for him! Gold experience! Yeah. It's like, is that a necessary part? It's like, is that... Is that a thing that can actually be? Is yeah? Is that necessary? When I am uh, when I first saw that, I thought that they were going to like repeatedly get like the bullets back by turning him into living things, and then just repeatedly like heating it up or something like that. And then they actually turned it into roots. I'm like, okay, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty clever. Pretty much use yeah. the bullets as like seeds. Yeah, exactly. And then I just want to point out that I don't think that uh, Araki knows how computers work. What do you mean? <laughs> because he said. He said that we were able to, thanks to the help of a computer, we were able to recreate, we were able to recreate the photo from this burnt pile of ash. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, let, it's like, all right. It's <laughs> Zoom not, and enhance. It's like, it wasn't a digital photo, for one thing. <laughs> like, they'd have to, ha- and if it were, like, and it was completely torched, so unless, uh, so unless Risotto has an ability that we're not entirely sure of where he could partially restore it or something or like that. Or maybe they used Babyface. Yeah, for it, but anyways. yeah, but it's just it's a little hand wave. It's know, just like sure, yeah. it's like I, I'm sorry. What I'm pretty sure that's not how computers work. And then we actually get introduced to the boss. Granted, he's in shadows, and we don't really see him. We do hear him, and he looks surprisingly frail looking. Yeah, he's like, like he curled looks very, up on the floor, like and very like kind of skinny looking, just from like his 
his general like body out. Like, Not body how you'd expect stuff. like a mafia boss to. You yeah. expect him to be like sitting in a chair, looking out a window or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you expect like pop. You expect somebody like Papa Dino from yeah. Banana Fish. Uh, there's a detail that I really liked when they were in the turtle. Uh, and they use the, so the boss knew what a Bakio stand was, and he's oh, like, yeah. "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna play this message for him using a Bakio stand." I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah, it was pretty clever. And if only if only they had another way to actually go about it, then we were able to recreate the photo through the power of bullshit <laughs> because yeah. we needed it for the sake of convenience. Another I guess snake brick moment. Yeah, another snake <laughs> snake brick. That is, you, we've heard of jumping the shark. Um... Now just turning... Jumping the stand? Yeah, jumping the stand. Jumping the enemy stand? <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, then he, he uh, crashed in. So they made it to Venice, and then he crashed into the canal. And that's where it put the to be continued. Which I, that doesn't sound super better, because you're putting an enemy that has power to freeze things. In water. In water, yeah. Unless it's like his weakness or something, because it... Because he, it turns out he can't fucking swim or something. Uh, something like that, yeah. I, I don't know. So, uh, next up is Kaguya-sama, Love is War. <laughs> uh, All I have to say, the first thing I noticed was, damn it, Kaguya. Because, like, the whole time, like, you see, like, the opening skit is just, like, Chika saying how, like, how happy she is to, like, change into her summer outfit because her sleeves are shorter. The whole time you just see Kaguya just kind of side-eyeing her, looking at her boobs. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's a girl thing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, the first skit was, um... The cat ears one. Oh yeah, uh, that that was just. Uh, <laughs> I, I love seeing their faces trying trying to uh, trying to make it look like they weren't smiling, but they end up looking like fucking monsters instead. Yeah. Like, and, then, <laughs> <laughs> and then just like I have to burn this into my into my memories forever, <laughs> and like, and then Chica like both Chica and uh, Miyuki both think that. Uh, that Kaguya looks super adorable in cat ears, but then, uh, but then Miyuki puts on cat ears, and Chika's all like, eh, those don't really suit you. Meanwhile, Kaguya's all like, oh my god, they're adorable! Yeah. Just, see, like, seeing her fangirl over it was freaking hilarious. Uh, the, the, then there's the, the word game, the band word game. Oh. Like, I see Chika busting out some sick raps. Yeah. I haven't seen sick raps like that since Zombieland Saga. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Although most of Chica's raps were just like words, and then her going "yo, yo, yeah, yeah. yo," I love, I love that when she was all like "say ho," and then <laughs> trying to get Kaguya to talk, "say ho," <laughs> I say ho. So I think that <laughs> I think that Chica's my favorite in this in the show. Yeah, Chica's just so it's just so adorable. That's yeah. what she is. She's I, I also freaking love, adorable. I love the voice actors. Yeah, too, she's having her. a lot of fun. And then then it was the the text one. Which, oh, I also love uh, Kaguya's maid. The, the maid does not take any of her bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> she, she calls her out on it left and right. And it's just like, here, I, it's like, here, I've already called him. Yeah, Kaguya's all embarrassed at home. And, and her maid's just like, you're, stop being a bitch. Yeah, exactly. And she's just like talking to her dad at first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then... I love when she was talking. She was talking with Shiragai or Miyuki on the phone while he was in the bathtub, and he just says, "It's okay, I'm just in the bathtub." And then you just see her face go, "You're talking to someone who's completely exposed." <laughs> How does that make you feel? Oh, made it such a bitch. <laughs> I love her. She's wonderful. She and then in the most roundabout way possible, she manages to get uh, Miyuki to text first, though, because yeah, yeah, yeah. he accidentally hung up the phone. 
And she's like, oh, wait, crap. What was he going to say? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then finally, finally she gets a text from him. And the, and the last one of the episode was the <laughs> the French exchange party. Oh. <laughs> I just had Kaguya. I got one. I, they didn't have subtitles for all the French. I kind of want to, like, I want somebody to subtitle that scene just so I can see what kind of horrible profanities she was yeah, saying in it's, French. Yeah, she attracted the, she attract, she would attract the attention of the broadcaster's code or something like that is what the yeah. uh, announcer was they saying. They didn't censor any of it. Like, yeah, it was just a, a, basically a stream of profanity. <laughs> yeah. So so we've been told, anyways. Like, yeah, it could have been just total gibberish. But yeah, I, I, I just love how you they, they played up this girl... Like, oh, yeah, you're going to go in there and you're going to absolutely, absolutely wreck Shirogane. And, and then, uh, yeah, and then Kaguya comes out of nowhere and just like, blah, 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 yeah. and just fucking absolutely destroys this girl's self-confidence. Yeah. Meanwhile, and, Shirogane can't fucking understand anything. And he's just like, we. Yeah, we. we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like, yes, yes. <laughs> like, just, just smile and nod, smile and nod. Eventually, maybe she'll go away. <laughs> And I think it's hilarious, too, that he even was trying to show off, like, I skimmed the handbook, I know how to speak French, but then, and she's like, I don't really know how to speak French. She speaks, like, impeccable French, yeah. and then so does Chica, because yeah. it's like, my mother was a diplomat. But, uh, in the, in the most recent episode, we got the most important character, uh, Love Detective Chica. Yes, Love Detective Chica. Which, why didn't Chica. we use that ending for this episode? Okay. I don't think we actually talked about that ending. Let let's just stop, let's address the elephant in the room with that. Yeah, we did. Oh, did we? Yeah, How, I think so. In week uh, three. Yeah, I mean that's what it was. I don't remember us talking about it though. And are we? It was week, week, week three. four. Week yeah. four, because the show started a week. Like, I don't remember. Anyway, the point being, it's that uh, that ED is super adorable and super smooth. Apparently, the reason for that it was is it was rotoscoped. Yeah, I've watched it so many times. Yeah, I I've watched it. I've watched it a couple times too because it's it's super adorable. It's Chica being adorable, which is just basically the show. Love Detective Chica needs her own show. I don't know if she could stand her own. You, you don't it's think one so? of those things where it's like a joke in the show, and then it's maybe. just turning Dominion. A lot of okay, maybe a lot of people certainly think that uh, that she deserves her, that. Love Give her like a five minute show. Every yeah. week or something like that. Yeah, like a freaking, uh, like an Ueno-san kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. Okay, yeah. But the the girl who, or the girl who was the the girlfriend of the guy that uh, Miyuki gave advice to ended up wanting advice from Shiragane. No, from, a, or, from Kaguya. Kaguya, yeah. Which I want to point out, uh, <laughs> which I want to point out is, I want to find a way to to smoothly break up with my boyfriend. <laughs> That was the thing that she said. It's like, oh, geez, okay, that's going to be difficult. I also, another thing, like, kind of just go, as a quick little aside, the uh, the whole um, the whole bit when she was, like, swearing out in front of the broad, like, for, like, with language that would get the attention of the broadcasting code, she says something to the effect of, it's like, this was just like the old me. It's like, what kind of person were you before? Who said that? Kaguya did. Oh. It's just like, Jesus, what kind of person <laughs> were you before? That's scary. You're Maybe scary you now. I have a hard time imagining you being scary. I mean, imagine she's always been kind of a bitch just because of her attitude. Yeah, maybe. Although, so back to this. Of course, then, Love Detective Chica decides to get involved in this. Oh, man. Yeah. She... It looks like she just created two uh, terrorists, pretty yeah. much. Yeah! <laughs> 
it looked like she created two terrorists, but nope, they just decided they were going to be charity, like work for charity, which is what something they were both interested in anyway, which makes me wonder if Chica had known that in advance. I doubt it. <laughs> I don't know. Chica is definitely a character who's more perceptive than she lets on. We saw that in the la- we saw that in the episode with the with the banned word game. She's a definitely oh, yeah, like, that's true. She's, yeah. she's incredibly perceptive. She seems like a ditz, but holy crap, is she actually incredibly perceptive? Mm-hmm. And um, she's all right at volleyball. Yeah, she's just all right at volleyball. Uh, 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 my favorite clip from that was just her going like, "Huh," and he smacks it. Huh. huh? Max is like, ah! <laughs> yeah, just like the gradual, like the <laughs> gradual buildup of her, of her just getting like, what even is this? What am I looking at? I saw, uh, I saw a video earlier where someone just like took the sound of her going, ee! and like putting it before uh, like Iron Man fires a laser. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> that actually sounds really funny. I also want to say, during the whole volleyball skit, they put in way more effort than I think was necessary to show him eat shit when he hit the ground. Oh, it's so, so good. The, it, the comedic writing in the show is fantastic. <laughs> like, that was, like, almost like the quality that you'd expect in any other sports anime yeah. for, like, actually hitting something. But, no, instead it was just him hitting the ground. Good, good punctuation for the joke. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the last one was the... The umbrella. The umbrella. Oh, oh, going back really quick, uh... I love the line where Chica's like, I raised that boy. I raised that boy. <laughs> when, when, yeah, because she spends like three days just teaching him how to serve. And it's like, I also need you to help me how to toss and receive. Yeah. And then seven days pass. And then she's covered in bandages. Her hands are all screwed up. And even her bow has bandages on it. Which is a hilarious little detail. And she says something that makes me wonder, like... She said, you overcame great adversity and you worked so hard, which makes me wonder if she was speaking about herself because of how impossible (laughs) it was. Yeah, maybe. Like, I doubt that that it was entirely altruistic because even she says, I'll never do this again. (laughs) But yeah, he becomes the ace of, pretty much the ace of the volleyball team in like 10 days. Yeah. Which, good. Good for you. So, so the umbrella scene, uh, you're talking about how she's more perceptive than you seem, like... You gotta wonder if Chica knows that these two like each other. Yeah, she keeps doing these things to put him in, in to in intentional, weird... like to intentionally, basically just sow chaos. Yeah, it's it's totally possible. Like um, in the intro, like she's even represented by the Joker card. Like because like oh, you, really? yeah, she's she's represented <laughs> by the Joker card in the intro of the show. It's hilarious, and most people have described her sort of as like a. Like the living representation of chaos theory, I think even they acknowledge that in the show. Yeah, um, when when she like brought in like uh, another bun. ticket or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like other other tickets or something like that. And yeah, they're like this this one single thing has sown infinite possibilities, and, <laughs> and their brains shorted out. Yeah, exactly. The I think the funniest thing about that is. Again, like the mind games, like the whole game here was trying to basically get the other person to confess the fact that they lied and they both brought their own umbrellas. Yeah, we got kind of like a callback to like the first yeah. thing where they, it was like that mental chess game because a lot of the skits recently haven't been that. Yeah, although you just got to admire like the level of preparation that Kaguya took. She checked the <laughs> yeah. weather, she checked the weather forecast. She popped her own freaking tire on her own car. 
and then she checked her she checked the bike rack to make sure that Shiragana's bike wasn't there. But then just when she about had him, Chica just shows up like in basically the like sound effects, like it was all <laughs> creepy. Like something they used. Oh yeah, it was like a stock horror sound effect. Yeah, like it's something they used with Kaguya's face earlier. When Chica just appears out of the darkness with an umbrella, they use it again. And yeah, it was it was a durable ending though. It was yeah, like, it was a tie. Yeah, it was a tie. Like, because, I think Chica won there. Yeah, Chica totally won <laughs> because the thing that made it so adorable is they were just so fixated on the fact they were sharing an umbrella together that they just lost track of the fact that it was raining out. And even people are looking at them on the streets like, "What are they doing?" <laughs> but enough about that. We got intro- We got shown the best character, oh, uh, um, Ishigami, the last member of the student council. I think next episode we're finally going to see him. No, I think he's just going to be popping up every once in a while. And that's the <laughs> joke, probably. I, I don't think so because he shows up in the intro and sure. the outro. Like, the, but they might not even show him until like the ending of the show. <laughs> Well, he shows up in the intro, but they don't show his face. Yeah, they do. Like, he's got, like, he's, it, the, he's the one with the emo haircut. I thought they showed, like, his back or something. No, you see, like, he's got, yeah. like, the, he's got, like, the combed over hair, like, yeah, that's covering well, his maybe eyes. We'll, maybe we'll see him next I, I personally want to, because apparently he does a lot of work behind the scenes. Like, they even said, like, the fallback, or the fallout from the last mixer was resolved thanks to Ishigami. So, apparently he does quite a bit of work behind the scenes, which, let's hope so. I, I'm curious to see what kind of character he is. Yeah, next up. Next up is Kotobuki. Is the magnificent Kotobuki. All right. I, I absolutely love uh, Elite Industries. <laughs> like, like, they suck, but it's such a... It's such an original concept for yeah. an anime villain. It's just like, okay, we have bandits... But these are corporate bandits, and they, yeah. they treat themselves like a like a well-oiled corporate machine. Yeah, we, they're 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 totally not pirates, but they're totally pirates. Yeah. Like they're trying to brand. It's basically like they're trying to brand themselves as a legit business, which <laughs> which considering considering like the uh, what we find out in a, in the next episode, like they find we find out that the uh, that they're the art that they're trying to pawn off on people is all painted by this little girl that. Like that they adopted, I guess, or they're looking out for. Yeah, the 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 boss is looking out for him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like he was looking out for her and recognized that he didn't want necess- like he didn't want to give up the pirate like the air pirate life, but at the same time he wanted to just make sure that she wasn't worried about them. So he just decided to brand himself as a business. It's like, oh no, we're not pirates, we're running a yeah. legit business here. See there's our HR representative. Yeah, over my, there. my favorite lines from my that i've heard in any show ever is hr team shoot them down (laughs) oh my god and it's hilarious because like their whole shtick is they try to pawn off the art and then when they so it's like "Eh, i don't really feel like giving it they so it's like okay we'll give you some time to reconsider so they like to basically just fly off turn around and just start shooting shit i'd like to point out that nobody dies in this show yeah and that's that's entirely fine, because uh, when I was watching uh, this most recent episode, I think, like, one of the show's biggest charms is the fact that it's so lighthearted. Yeah. And there's, like, there, there's some consequences to things, but for the most part, there's this, like, at the end of the day, everyone's fine. Yeah, exactly. Like... It might change later. Yeah, it could get potentially serious, but... But, yeah, I like the fact that it's just... It's just very lighthearted and cheery show. Yeah, exactly. And, um... 
this whole episode, like the um, the episode when they're basically just trying to protect the town, gave me very much a, a Magnificent Seven or um, Seven Samurai type vibe, where it's ba- which you know the concepts of behind those movies, right? No. Okay, basic. They're basically the same movie. Um, a group of seven in Magnificent Seven. It's a group of seven gunslingers that are helping protect like this uh, village from a group of bandits. And in Seven Samurai, it's, oh, okay. it's in Seven Samurai. It's just it's the same thing, just with samurai instead of gunslingers. Because most Western flicks were just uh, were just freaking uh, samurai flicks that were retooled when they hit the Western audiences. Yeah. So the plot in uh, episode was it five four yeah, four uh, yeah four I four, think um it wasn't super complicated. It was like bandits are attacking the town, uh, and and then uh, the squadron uh, the Kotobuki squadron was pretty much like no we have to defend the town because if we don't then then they're just going to keep taking and taking and taking. Yeah, Emma actually pointed Emma actually pointed out she's the one with the blonde. The blonde hair and the blue dress. The one that always peed herself? <laughs> yeah, the one that always <laughs> peed herself in the next episode. But it, she kind of talks about, like, she talks very passionately about um, about how air pirates function and what they do. It's almost like she has personal experience with them. Like, maybe her village, like, maybe her hometown was attacked by air pirates or something. And they had a similar kind of circumstance, which is maybe why she was trying so hard to convince them to fight. Because she knew what they would end up doing. It's a very, very simple plot. But I the the characters have like so much personality to them that it is it's super fun to watch. Yeah, and I also want to uh, say that it was clever on the town's part when they um uh, when the air pirates started attacking, like they put the ride in the thing they wanted oh, to yeah. attack, like in the middle of town, so they'd be less willing to fire. Yeah, and that would allow the and that would allow the townsfolk to just like use the anti aircraft guns more freely, which again really yeah. clever. I was really impressed when uh, the boss. Just, like, jumped out of a plane onto the other plane. And then, basically, it's just like, get out! <laughs> yeah. Which, once again, nobody died because he had a parachute and he, he was fine. Yeah, no. And then, even uh, Emma, like, got her plane shot down because of a rear gunner that she wasn't expecting. But, yeah, she turned out fine. Mm-hmm. Like, we haven't seen anybody important die yet. I'm pretty Well, sure. we haven't seen anybody die. Yeah. Like, I mean, people might have died, like, when like, they were shooting down the bandits or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like, probably shot down the HR department. Yeah. <laughs> but the <clears throat> the second episode was basically just Zara showing off that she's a lady of many talents. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean... The fucking airplane idols. Yeah. Like, again, she's a lady of many talents. She can dance, she can sing... She can apparently drink like a fish. <laughs> or either she was drinking, or she could have just been like. Uh, it makes yeah. I was wondering, was she actually drinking, or did she have like some sort of slate of hand trick that yeah, we weren't maybe. aware of? Or she wasn't even drinking. She was like, "Oh well, you boys, let's see how much you can drink." Exactly. Using her her feminine wiles. Exactly. Which that was a hilarious cut. It's like, who thinks they can drink me under the table? Me? Let me buy you a drink. Let me buy you a drink. And if they cut, then everybody's passed yeah. out except for her at the bar. She protects. She attack. But most importantly, she get the plane back. Exactly. And then we get in. And then we get introduced to this little artist girl who's super adorable. And she was like, uh, she wanted like Zara to model for her because she was like super pretty. And, yeah, they get the ride-in back, which was awesome. Like, that whole sequence when they're, like, flying through the cap, like, through the valleys or whatever, like, trying to avoid the rocks, we get to see, like, uh, just how the difference in skill between some of the pilots. Like, uh, Rayona, she, like, she doesn't even hit the rocks. We see, and then we see Kilier like, accidentally, like, scrape the top of it. And then freaking, uh, I forget her name, but, uh, 
the real like the really short blonde annoying one. She like freaking knocks over like the freaking oh, yeah, rock, the, the loudmouth one. Yeah, yeah. And then there's Kate, who is just like like deadpan silent. Which I want to point out, like she had the interesting character quirk of hers, like she just basically knows the specs of the airplanes. She just points out like random amounts of data all the time. Yeah, which I actually, which is. Which is actually a kind of clever way to be a kind of info dumpy because she, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's just sort of like, yeah, they're just equipped with these specific types of things, like almost, and it doesn't feel particularly cheap because it, she just feels like the kind of character who's kind of committed stuff like this to exactly, memory. Yeah, like it makes me wonder if she's Asperger's or something like that because yeah, just feels the need to point all these things out exactly. <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, I overall this show has been a, a lot of fun to watch yeah like, some of the dog fights and the banter exactly i've said it before and i'll say it again every time i see the dog fights it's just so fun to watch they, exactly they, uh like the part where they they did really good on the sound design with the riding when it was yeah when it was launching out and it sounds like really high pitch compared to the other planes and yeah because it's going a lot faster yeah and then like we when we see zara about to crash into like the uh freaking wall then she like just goes straight up oh, yeah, super tense yeah uh the <laughs> the boss, uh, at the end of the day, I like how the boss are like, yeah, you've learned your lesson and you won't do this again. And he's like, yeah, I guess I won't. I was <laughs> like, that's an, that, that that's when I was talking about how uh, yeah. how the show's just lighthearted. And it's just like, well, that's kind of dumb, but also who cares? Well, I mean, but then again, they also pointed out that these guys, they're, they're kind of just morons. They're not like the most dangerous air pirates out there. They're mm-hmm. just, they're kind of, they're just dummies. I, I think it, it played off that way probably better because they didn't end up killing anybody yeah so and then so like we still get to see like the uh the the former hr chief and the rest of his and like his defectors <laughs> like freaking just taking off yeah they got away so and that'll I, probably be a plot point later on yeah they're probably affiliated with the um uh they're probably affiliated with the other like group of air pirates that attack the uh attack the place everybody was so disappointed to have like all the food stalls and stuff gone yeah, like, maybe. No, my pancakes! Uh, the curry udon machine. Yeah, which, the pancake machine. Like, let's be honest. I had, as someone who's eaten curry udon many a time, yeah, I, me too. I get that excited about curry yeah, udon so, too. Pro tip for anyone in uh, Hawaii yeah. or going to Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, there's a place called Marukame Udon. It's like a chain. There's like a couple places around uh, Honolulu. Yeah. What's this? What's the place called? The, the beach area? Waikiki. Waikiki, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Fucking amazing food. The best udon I've ever had in my life. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, and it, it's really cheap, too. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. So, on to uh, Mob Psycho 102. Alright, so in the most recent episode, all I have to say is, well, I see where all the spare money from Hero Academia went. Holy shit! That, like, you pointed out, like, after watching this episode, it's like, that whole episode could have just been, like, season finale yeah, material. Yeah, it was finale material, because... So, major props to uh, Haku Yugo. Mm-hmm. The, he, he storyboarded, directed, and uh, art-directed or this this entire episode, or the, the, the most recent episode. He is in... Uh, I think it's... Either Taiwan or Korea. I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but he's being uh, shipped out to do some mandatory military service for like mm. one or two years. So S- sucks to do. S- sucks, you know, for that. 
but I think this probably it was like his last animation project for a, probably a while, so he probably wanted to put a lot of work into yeah, it. He and it's certainly he went out on a high note. If that's oh my god, like holy crap, these like this like episode six was absolutely just a treat to watch. Yeah, it was a stunningly beautiful fight scene, uh, and not only the fight scene, like just the character interactions, like Minori. After she gets out and she she's like yeah I'm always like that and then she starts she actually starts breaking starts down crying. just the the expression yeah on her face yeah how is so good yeah man like this whole ep- like this these past two episodes were all about like uh, about Reagan and Ma basically going to another going to another job to who being hired by this really rich client which basically amounts to my daughter's possessed by a demon pretty much which. I want to point out, Reagan never ceases to amaze, like, with what he's capable of. Like, oh, yeah, like how he beats an entire room of psychics at rock, paper, scissors? Yeah, the person <laughs> with absolutely no psychic powers. But I think the thing about Reagan is it's not so much that, like, he doesn't have, like, psychic power, but he's definitely good at, like, playing people. Like, he, he knows psychology. Exactly. For sure. He probably went to school for that or something. Yeah, exactly. And, like... Again, it's really just a breath of fresh air seeing, like, a really, like, smart protagonist. Like, he seems like a complete goofball, but then when you actually see, like, him actually be competent and do yeah. shit, it's a lot of fun to watch. Like, <laughs> and I love how he always employs, like, just a basic physical attack on psychics because they're usually really weak. <laughs> like, when uh, when Minori ended up, like, sending the other psychic guy out on Anti- me. Yeah, anti-possession knee smash! Yeah. <laughs> he just fucking knees him in the stomach. <laughs> <laughs> to deal with it. And, like, that's something nobody expects when it's a room full of psychics. Yeah, exactly. I mean... And what then, was the one last season? It was, like, a drop kick or something? Yeah, like? something like that. Like the second to last episode? Like an, or an elbow drop or something of that nature. Yeah. You need, either way, it was hilarious. But the uh, the other really funny thing is... Or how Reagan like, went into that room. He was, like, the first one to talk to her. And he basically... All these psychics were saying, no, nothing seems to be wrong with her. And he's like, did you not pay attention to her? If you think that nothing's wrong with her, then you need to leave this room right now. Like, the way she talked was way too inconsistent. And, like, she dressed me as a psychic when I never even told her that, that I was a psychic. Which means that she probably heard her <laughs> whole conversation. Yeah. Props to the writing. Yeah. The writing there, because that was really well done. Yeah. Reagan is, again, he's a seemingly buffoonish, but ridiculously clever person. Mm-hmm. He's just oodles of fun to watch. But then we get trapped in, uh, we get trapped in a parallel universe where everything is slightly shittier for Mom. Yeah. And so by slightly shitty, shittier. And by, and I was going <laughs> to say, by slightly shittier, I actually mean much, much shittier. Yeah, he had to spend six months of his life pretty much in a world where he had no psychic powers. He was being bullied all the time by pretty much everybody, but mainly by uh, Minori. Minori and people who kind of gravitated towards her. Yeah. But it it was really hard to watch this mob go through life thinking like, well, why, like, why are, why is everyone so mean to me? Like, I I did not, it's like, what did I do to you people? Yeah. Like, and it it kind of, it was showing the realism of someone in a situation where no one, is around to help them really yeah like that that happens mm-hmm. like it, it's never happened to me but uh I, i've had friends that have had to go through that kind of shit before and it's like it sucks yeah i think the other i think the other really cool thing about this whole about that whole sequence was just like like you kind of understand like why mogami did the way he did things the way he did because because much like mob 
Mob uses his powers for other people. Mogami did much of the same thing. But then when his mother got sick, when his mother got sick, he started to basically go down a darker path to try and help her but and using his powers to do that. But in the end, it still really amounted to nothing. She yeah, still, yeah. She still died. Well, well, the thing is, like, him using his psychic powers, like, attracted evil spirits. And I think that made his mom die even faster. Yeah. Because, like, the evil spirits you know, probably fucked with things or whatever. Yeah. And on <laughs> top of that, like, Mogami was basically just trying to... He basically just wanted Maud to see things the way that he did. Like, basically, his whole thing was all about regret that he never actually just did things for himself. Like, mm-hmm. that he was basically... That he was annoyed that people just used him and then left him, like, for no good reason, he felt. I thought it was a... It was... It's not, like, a particularly new concept, but it was still handled really well here, I think. Yeah. I liked it. And then, again, that fight between him and Mob, when Mob goes, like, question mark, question mark, question mark, percent, Mm. that was just... Oh, God, it was so good. It was the best episode of anything I've seen this season, for sure. Yeah, no kidding. Like... Just like, you're not the same boy from before. It's like, well, don't you see now? This is what happens when he gets pissed. It's, and then he, and then Dimple looks at him again, and he's got, he's all like super pretty and, and stuff. And Mob goes anime. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, yeah, who the hell are you? <laughs> uh, I love when, uh, like, when Dimple first shows up and then uh, Dim- reminds him of everything, and then he reminds him of the Bodybuilders Club, and Mob turns like Hulk mode for a second. <laughs> but his normal face, he just got a swole ass body. Yeah, and he's like, okay, that's going a little too far. <laughs> and again, I love the mental gymnastics that both Ray that I will, actually I wouldn't say Reagan. I think Reagan just knew what to say to just convince Dimple to actually like get him to per, to play along because because Reagan says something to the effect of Mom helped us because he's stupid. I but I still have uses for him and I think that made kind of triggered a Dimple's chain of thinking. It's like it'd be easier to manipulate him through the shadows. Oh yeah, well Dimple. He wants to help Mob. He exactly, but... But he's, he's kind of like a tsundere thing. But I think, there. again, I think... And I think Reagan picks up on that. Yeah. So he was just trying to say... He was basically trying to say what he needed to hear so that he'd actually be... Would basically do that in his head. Yeah, and I, I love how Reagan's outside and he's like, well, should we... Uh, Dimple's like, we should just leave. And Reagan's like, no, it's fine. He, he can handle it. Mm-hmm. I trust him. Yeah. Just Reagan being best girl Reagan, the show. <laughs> best girl Reagan. Yeah. Also, I almost forgot, like, when they were pointing out, like, like when uh, when the dad was, like, in the hospital bed and just, like, talking with a Minori about how Mob saved her, and he was looking at the uh, the internet page, like, that had, like, that cult dedicated uh, the, to her or whatever. The psycho-helmet religion? Yeah, exactly, the psycho-helmet religion. I, it's a very, like, quick thing, like, blink and you miss it, but, like, on the computer, like, there's actually a tab that's dedicated to Bones, like, Studio Bones. Really? I am not joking. Oh, there's actually, there is actually a tab, and, like, up there, and it just says Bones. I'm like, are you serious? You just stuck your name in there, Bones, you crafty bastard. Take a look at that. It, it's pretty funny. Uh, but, yeah, he ended up, it was another small detail, but uh, when it's showing the guys at the cafe... The, mm-hmm. the psycho helmet religion and when it shows like their bank statement or whatever he ends up uh donating the dad ends up donating 500,000 yen mm. to their uh to their church when they had like 10,000 yen they're like oh we can't go on without funds Bring! yeah because <laughs> uh, uh his dad or minori was like yeah some kid helped me out and yeah. his dad's like i didn't hire a kid mm-hmm. yeah i loved it oh and even reagan like finds a way to mental gymnastics his way out of um uh 
out of not accepting money, even though it would have been super beneficial for him to have accepted money. Yeah, because Reagan's... I, I use the word con man loosely. Yeah. Because he he does con people, but he ends up helping them in the end anyways. Yeah. Uh, even if it's just, you know... He uh, certainly some placebo. Yeah, he still he, ends up making them happy. Yeah, he's chaotic good for sure. Yeah, so 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 he was like, "Well, I don't feel like accepting this money because I it wasn't really what I'd call a success with all the people that end up getting exactly, hurt there." Yeah, yeah, I thought again, Reagan showing that he's not a complete scumbag. So so real quick once again, good luck on your military service, uh, Hakuyugo. And uh, this episode was an absolute treat. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so next up, my roommate is a cat. This show is getting so much better for me. Yeah, this show. Uh, I think is... I said it last last episode. We were talking about um, mm-hmm. how early early on I didn't really like like the first episode. It it didn't really catch on for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it just keeps. I keep getting more and more attached to the show as as it goes on. Yeah, it's it's just so wholesome. It's yeah. just, it's so wholesome and so adorable and and it's actually it actually is kind of refreshing to see like a um, a main character who is like clearly introverted and socially awkward um actually like actually coming out of his shell sl- like slowly even if it is through the help mainly with his cat again it reminds me very much of because of Win Dixie very similar concept to this in, but instead of a grown man it was a little girl mm-hmm. like finding a dog but. This whole thing is just a treat to watch, like, just some of the visual gags and stuff, like, the whole reason why, like, the whole part of the first episode was like, okay, I need to get a collar for Haru, mm-hmm. and they just basically realized, oh wait, the col- donuts are like, donuts are like collars, why doesn't Haru have a collar yet, pretty much? Yeah, his obsessed, uh, editor. Yeah, who, who Haru has admitted time and time again is just ridiculously obnoxious. Oh yeah, the collar. Uh, I loved how like he, he brings he brings the collar back and puts it on, and, and Harry's like, "Oh yeah, this bell's fucking awesome." Yeah, I the, love this bell. It's like it makes it's like it means I'm pretty, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then she's just like shaking it repeatedly, and then just like, "Oh, you took away my pretty." <laughs> yeah, uh, the vet scene was, was oh, really cool. Yeah, really um, good. I, I we like, got to see wholesome doggo. Oh uh, yeah, like, like you. I remember the nice lady. Yeah, just like. I'm sad. It's like, I haven't seen the nice lady for a long time. Did That's the kind away? of, um, like, flashback storytelling I was talking about uh, a few episodes ago. How they, I think they should have revealed the the whole death thing. Yeah, like, just, like, kind of gradually. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, again, the doggo is just so wholesome. And actually fairly wise. Like, because usually, do- like, usually dogs are kind of portrayed as... At least in most shows, is like kind of being idiotic and stuff, and he's definitely energetic and kind of a goofball. Well, he's but... he's an old boy, yeah. So yeah, he's he's smarter. Uh, one of my favorite parts about the show is just Haru going like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the, the pers- <laughs> or the vocalization of the hissing, yeah, <laughs> Haru screaming at things. <laughs> no kidding. I I like during the whole like thing when he visited the pet shop to get a um, uh, to get a collar for Haru. Like his just interaction with uh, with Nana, we find out her name is Nana in the next episode. But uh, basically, she uses that as an excuse. Like buying the collar, she uses that as a basically an excuse to plug the animal hospital they work with. 
Because it's like, well, it was um, the the person behind him, the customer, was like, "Oh yeah, I took mine to the vet," and he's like, "Oh, I haven't done that yet." And yeah, and then she's like, "What the fuck?" And then yeah, and then but then that's where it's just like, well, this is a perfect time to plug our the animal hospital we specifically work yeah. with. <laughs> so then uh, she uh, she visits his house to like help him out with the food thing. Oh yeah, and and, and uh, she's like slowly pouring it, and she's like, huh. huh? Huh? <laughs> it's got like, like the chica scene again. Yeah, exactly. The volleyball. Yeah, it was it was great. And then this, I'm actually learning quite a bit on how, like how people take care of cats. Like I never would have thought of the whole like oh you just put a little bit of food in the little bit of food in a bottle here and yeah. they'll have to roll it around repeatedly to get food out and Pretty it'll clever. get them. Yeah, I actually thought that was super cool. And then we get to meet. Uh, then we get to meet something that I had basically confirmed. It's like we have a tuxi at home. I'm like it's one of Har- it's one of Haru's little brothers or something, isn't it? And oh yeah, because like, in the we we get to see like what's her face, Nana's like um, mental image of it, and I was like, yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely a, a sibling. Yeah, exactly. One of the siblings. There's yeah. another one that who's is still missing. For. Yeah, which I hope they're not dead. That would actually be kind of shitty. But I don't know. That's certainly possible. Mm-hmm. But then. Yeah, we meet Hachi and Roku are the names of the two cats that she Which has. Which that's eight and or I think it's seven. It's either seven and eight or eight and it's, nine. No, it's six and seven. Six and seven. Yeah, uh, Roku. Roku is six, and then Hachi is seven. Okay. Yeah, it's it's actually it's pretty funny. But then Haru actually learns that her name doesn't mean food. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually her name. Yeah, like so, something just for me. Yeah. It's such, such a wholesome little moment. Yeah, it was, the show's so wholesome. It, it is. It is super wholesome. And like this episode, I will say that I kind of got what you were talking about in the last episode, like or the very first episode, how they kind of split it like half and half. Like, and I kind of noticed that and I was like, okay, I can see definitely for some people how that could get obnoxious. Yeah. Like if they I, did it all the time. But it, it doesn't bother me as much anymore, maybe because I'm more attached to the characters. Yeah, exactly. But I still think it would be better if they just, instead of splitting into two parts, they spliced the parts together. Yeah, exactly. Like, like instead of having points where you see Haru reacting like a normal cat, just have Haru reacting like she reacts. Yeah, exactly. From her perspective. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Yeah. But I absolutely loved it. So, uh, next up is uh, The Price of Smiles. Okay. Which, uh, we got to. We finally got to the point where kind of the main characters are starting to, yeah, interlap. Uh, Yuki ended up seeing Stella. Yeah, yeah. That was actually. I actually think that's a very clever way of sort of introducing them because, like, that'll be a thing that plays into that comes into play later. Yeah, you because she actually... drew because she drew attention to the fact that uh, like she got out of her she got out of her third gear to save her pilot to save that pilot. Yeah, she she's actually Yuki's actually seeing for the first time that the enemy isn't just an enemy; they're also people. Yeah, first of the two episodes. Well, I think it was like four, or yeah, five, yeah, something five. like that. Uh, but yeah, the the Burger Squad uh, got sent on a, a mission to break a stalemate up. Yeah, pretty much, and that was actually pretty cool how they went about that, like. I love the whole like when we see I forget her I forget her name I think Li- Lily Lily yeah. Lily like have to get out of her mech and then like look closely like at the uh, at like the thing that was basically just set up to be like a dummy outpost like just it's like it's just supposed to look like scrap guys it isn't really yeah, but a, that'll throw people but that'll throw people off so it was it, a scouting camp exactly but she had to like go up and then like with a telescope just like okay measure this like and then have the guy like freaking blow it up with his rifle and then like the when she sees the scouts running just pew pew 
Yeah, I, I think I said it already, but I like how... I, I always like seeing non-dramatic deaths. Mm-hmm. I feel like it carries more weight when you just see someone just die and they yeah. don't give any attention to it, really. Then she got... Then she ended up getting hurt. Yeah. Uh, for dramatic reasons. <laughs> yeah. And then they showed a flashback, which I... Uh, I, I, I said before, I'm not a super big fan of expositionary flashbacks yeah. a lot of the time. I didn't think it was... I didn't necessarily think it was too bad, but... Here, no, it wasn't too long. I just yeah. don't like the principle of it. Yeah. And then, I actually do like the uh, the line that I forget what one of her squad mates says. It's like, don't worry, we can always replace you if you die. Because that comes into play later. Yeah, she uses it back on the game. It's like, hey, you know if you say that, that just increases somebody's chance of, chance of living, right? I thought that was actually a pretty cool way of going about it. Also, I want to point out that she was hurt by a futuristic giant bouncing Betty, pretty much. You know what a bouncing Betty is, right? It's like the grenade that pops up out of the ground. Yeah, right? it's a landmine. Like, yeah. they have, like, these little prongs, and you basically step you step one of the prongs, and it'll go, boop, boop. That's a bouncing Betty. That was pretty much what they, um, that was pretty much what the Thurgear accidentally tripped on. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I only know what those are because of, like, Call of Duty. Yeah. Back when I was younger. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the mission was uh, the mission was a success, but like I think they ended up losing some people in the process. Yeah, like they ended they did end up losing a few people. Like the whole like fight scene with the Thurgear in the woods, though, like the Soleil Thurgear, reminded me a lot of like uh, watching Code Geass actually. Yeah, the mechs are kind of similar. Yeah, they're they are very similar to Nightmare Frames, which is pretty cool. The the scream that Lily gave was a little. Was pretty bone chilling when she charged at the, the yeah. Thurgear with the dagger. Yeah, because it, it was about to stab Stella. Mm-hmm. I think. I yeah, we find out a lot more about uh, Stella and Lily's relationship, and it was interesting. Like when uh, when the commander of their squad had asked her, "Had you ever seen a genuine smile from her?" and she just kind of says, "I'm not sure at first, but then later she's reflecting on it, and she just the whole thing like on that day, I'm pretty sure like." It would have been, like, I, she saw Stella's genuine smile. It would have been a lot more effective if they just didn't, like, include that little line there, I think. Just show the... Yeah, just showed her that, smiling. Yeah, yeah, agreed, yeah. But overall, I thought that was a really cool moment. Like, you just, like, her, like, legitimately happy that her friend was okay. Mm-hmm. That was... I, I'm really liking this show, and I like this episode. And I like the next episode, too, with the exception of a really clumsy opening shot. Which one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just like... <laughs> You had just, like, it's like, wow, that was lazy. <laughs> yeah, there was a scene where the third gears were firing, and they they took the f- the background, and it was kind of shaking, and they were shooting, and I guess they decided, like, well, we want to make it seem like it's moving a little more, so they took uh, a little bit of the foreground and just shook it around a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it, it looked, it was pretty obvious, and I was like, oh god, they better fix that in the Blu-ray. Yeah. It's like, cause that's, because that's bad. It's like, that's really bad. Yeah, I uh, I really like this this most recent episode though because uh, it's it's more of so so Yuki had some moments where she got the shine yeah but it was also more moments of her uh, being stupid but everyone else around her realizing that it's a war and treating it as such yeah that's what I really I really respect about the writing of the show it's not super like anime mm. uh, as in like oh I'm the main character so I can say this will work and it'll work because anime yeah. reasons I. I do appreciate, and I do appreciate though, I appreciate her idealism. I really do. Like, I want, and I want, like, and it's totally understandable to want what she does and wanting to, um, uh, wanting to reduce it, 
like in time of war, like she doesn't want people to die. Like especially her being a young child still makes a little bit more sense than a grown ass person thinking like that, though. Yeah, it, and I think uh, an army or a kingdom needs something like that. Like yeah. you need someone with all the idealism, but then you also need someone behind them to tell them when they're stupid. And yeah, actually make realistic ideas out of those ideals. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I think is basically kind of what Layla is to her. She's kind of like her mentor, actually. Mm-hmm. She's actually yeah, serving her not to look away. Yeah, serving as more of her mentor to actually like help her to be like a a perfect leader, like somebody who can actually like. I love the line that she gives, like when she was like just watching. It's just like. If you don't want people to die, then think with all your might. If you ne- if you don't, then you'll continue to sit here and remain powerless. That was a really cool line, and that's what really made that's what made Yuki like actually start doing some really cool tactical things. Yeah. Like that was a cool move on her part to actually like at least stop the fighting. For... So that was actually a really smart callback to I think it was the first episode. Yeah, uh, there was an underground river. In the first episode, mm-hmm. where, uh, and then she's like, Joshua, you need to go, you know, do this, do this, and blow that up uh, to use it. And, and she thought back when Joshua told her, like, don't give up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll always keep thinking forward. Mm-hmm. And I think that probably sparked a memory of that virtual fight. Because yeah. then she used the underground river in the area they were at. Yeah. And it blew that up and uh, separated the fight. Yeah, exactly. And... I want to point out that uh, that that was actually just a shitty situation to put like the vanguard in the Soleil Knights in. Just like, oh, you've just got a bunch, you've got an angry army, like enemy army, charging towards you. You've got landmines in front of you. You've got landmines behind you. There, you're basically on a suicide. Also, mission. we're firing can- firing cannons, so dodge. Yeah, dodge. Yeah, just make sure you dodge. <laughs> just hope you're skilled enough. Which, and then we get a little bit more insight into Harold, who is like oh, this. Yeah. Whole, I want to say, like, them revealing his motivation, like, it was definitely a case of show-don't-tell. Like, they showed, like, an exposition flashback, sort of, but they didn't really, like, like exposit over it. Like, they showed you mm-hmm. what you needed to. Like, you see his wife get shot, and the exact uh, way that it went is, like, back then, if the Empire hadn't, uh, if the Empire hadn't recalled to arms, if you're, and then he kind of just pauses... If you're gonna do, if you're gonna do something just to avenge her, then you just should stop right now. Pretty much, I thought that was a pretty clever way of doing that. Yeah, well, I like that he said he didn't lie. He's like, yeah, it's partly for vengeance. Mm-hmm. Definitely not gonna lie about that. But but he's like, I also want to help the kingdom. Yeah. Uh, but we got a really cool, if not kind of silly, fight scene mm-hmm. uh, when he charged in and started shooting up everything. Okay. It's like, oh, I guess they're made of Play-Doh, so they explode in, like, three shots. That, okay, that was actually really cool. Yeah, like, it was I, kick-ass, but it, yeah. was, it was, I mean, every mech show does that. Yeah, exactly. Every mech show. Like, the quintessential thing in Gundam is just like, lock on to 100 guys, fire a laser, and then they all explode. That, like, yeah. happens in, like, every Gundam series, <laughs> yeah, exactly. pretty much. And... I want to point out that uh, I think we found the main antagonist for the show. Oh yeah, yeah, the, the chief the of staff. Yeah, the chief of staff, Ina Fleet, or whatever mm. her name is. She definitely seems like the main. The antagonist. totally not Aryan soldier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she has like blonde hair, blue eyes. Yeah, exactly. Cool. It, it's pretty much. It's very much that's what they're going for. I think because it's interesting too because like after uh, Soleil gets occupied because. Yuki is prepared to basically be a martyr because she thinks... Like, not Soleil, um, Harriet. Har- yeah, Harriet. But yeah. Soleil is the name of the kingdom. Yeah, Harriet yeah. is just the name of the capital city. When when the Yuki is basically prepared to be a martyr, everybody decides that they're just going to 
basically defy her orders and get her to the um uh, and get her to the evacuation refugee site, mm. which again, not a bad move on their part because it seems like Yuki thinks that if she's just a martyr, it'll be the it'll be a quick, easy solution. Yeah, they're that's trying to not show her at all how it would work. They're trying they're trying to show and I think they're trying to show her that there are no quick, easy solutions. You have to legitimately work for it. And I think that's actually a pretty good way of going about a show like this. I appreciate that. So I under yeah, I understand her idealism. Like she's like, okay, I wanna this is the only thing I can do to help. Mm-hmm. And I want to do it. Like I, 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 she probably feels helpless. Mm-hmm. But what would happen if she gave herself over is everybody's morale would drop, mm-hmm. uh, and their kingdom would just dissolve into nothing, mm-hmm. and the empire would take over everything. Yeah, with at least with her still around, they'd have a fighting chance. Like exactly, if the, ci- yeah. the city may have been taken, but there's still a chance to turn to turn the tide around. But I will say this: Ina Fleet basically. I kind of a little bit more credence to why she's the main antagonist because she was immediately after they occupied the city, she was twisting the facts, basically twisting the facts saying like, Oh, she's left. She left to save her own hide. And like basically using nationalism and stuff like that to rally people. And everyone was cheering except for the burger squad. Like they were just kind of looking on just like sad. Mm -hmm. Like they recognized that this was not okay. Yeah. They're a good representation of, different opinions yeah exactly there's probably other people that feel that way as well but you know you can only focus on so many characters exactly uh next Next. up is the promised neverland which got a lot more uh, a lot more mind games going on here norman and ray showing their true sides more yeah i like there is such an interesting dynamic at play here between the three main characters because emma ultimately wants everyone to escape Norman just wants Emma to be happy and wants to do anything to make her happy. Ray ultimately wants just the three of them to escape. Mm-hmm. So they're kind, they're they're similar and there's some overlap there, but they're still at odds enough to where there's going to be a massive conflict between our three leads. Ray's easily becoming my favorite character. Like, yeah, he's an asshole, but at the same time, he's fascinating. Yeah, he's brilliant for his age for yeah, sure he is absolutely brilliant and then again so is norman because which turns out norman is a little slightly more brillianter yeah exactly <laughs> than he, Ray. yeah because i think because ray had gotten in kind of gotten lulled into a false sense of security like he hadn't been caught for six years mm. which okay in case you guys are wondering ray is the spy he and if you think we're yeah. being blunt about it he is just as blunt about it in episode six <laughs> yeah, and he reveals it to Emma. It's like, hey, by the way, I'm the spy. Yeah, just, I'm the spy. And what? Her, yeah, her reaction, it's like, I'm not sure I get it. Why would you do that? But I think it was really interesting. Like, uh, the whole episode five was just them trying to figure out who the informant was. Yeah, and there was a lot of good uh, camera work and, and narrative storytelling there that kind of made it confusing because you had... Uh, um, what's her face? Gil- Gilda. Gilda walking into Crone's yeah. room, and and then you had uh, a note get slid under the door, but you didn't see who slid the note under. Yeah. And I was thinking, it's like, oh, it's under the bed. That's got to be Dawn. But then I had thought about it a little bit. And I'm like, well, yeah, you called it like just before. Yeah, I had. I was like, <laughs> I was thinking, you know, it could still be Ray. I'm thinking it's like because my line of thinking there was. He's really the only other person at this point who knows exactly what's going on. So it make it makes a little bit of sense if he was the traitor. 
And it turns out I was right. And at the end of the episode, it's just like, so you're the traitor. And they reveal that like five sec, like the yeah. five seconds before the end and, of the and episode. It's just uh, Norman just intently staring down Ray really closely. Yeah, that was insane. Mm-hmm. And when when Ray is ultimately describing why he's been doing the things he's been doing for the past six years, like that twisted look on his face when he said, "The person you see before you is the strongest card in your like that you have," just like his like twisted expression, and then you, Norman being like legitimately scared. Yeah, the the facial expressions in the show are one of the strongest points. Yeah, when in a horror anime, they have to be like you have to like. Because you can, because you can convey with facial expressions exactly how people are feeling, and a lot of really cool, like uh, just visual storytelling moments, like after their conversation, like because Ray basically says, "All right, if I'm going to work with you, I'll do exactly what you want me to, but you have a, you have three conditions. Well, here's mine for doing what you want. Trick Emma." Yeah, so this creates a, a probably a dilemma for Norman because. He, on one point, he wants to make Emma happy by helping everyone escape, but on the other point, he probably is going to prioritize Emma over everyone else's life, I think. Yeah, exactly. And then, the other thing about about that whole scene, though, is after he leaves, you see, like, Norman just sort of, like, uh, sort of looking defeated and just kind of downtrodden, and Ray just got this cocky smirk on his face, but as they're walking along, like... You see, like, Norman sit on the bed, and then you see Ray walking down the hall, and then you see Norman kind of have, like, a flash of inspiration on his face, and then covering his mouth like he's trying not to laugh. So it kind of makes me wonder, what did he realize? At that same point, Ray realizes went, something. Yeah. And gets pissed. He's like... <sighs> so, yeah, they, they both figured out something yeah, that they no haven't kidding. quite revealed to us. So they told Gilda and Don... Uh, about all this all the shit and immediately after that they go and look for the secret room mm-hmm. i i'm almost positive that uh either ray or norman gave them this information with the intention of them going to yeah to ex- investigate it because exactly. they're not stupid yeah. obviously we've seen all this stuff yeah i mean don definitely seems hot-headed and definitely like somebody who would want to help whenever he can but then, he doesn't know Connie's dead yet. Oh God, that was that was a that was a cruel freaking uh, twist of fate that Norman pulled. Because even Ray actually was annoyed by that whole thing. It's like, why feed them false hope like that? Yeah, and it's Norman's thought that it's the best way to get him to help. Yeah. So I mean, all these characters and just like all their interactions, like hell, even even Emma is starting to kind of like uh, like she's kind of in on the cat and mouse game too i think now because she is i think aware that she's at least aware that ray has been tricking them before and is kind of because <laughs> yeah. like that her squeezing his hand yeah i, I love that um it's like how don't she, do anything she, like yeah, that ever again she, she she's just like gives him this like look this this look on her face this fucking crazy ass look yeah it's really good no kidding uh so the episode ended with uh Don and Gilda finding the secret bookcase, and then the door creaking open, and then they look over with like, this like horrified expression. So. Like it kind of makes me want like, but at the same time, it's like it'll probably be leading you to think that it's probably Mama or Crone, but it could just as easily be Ray and Norman. Could be, but it, they could also just be dead. Oh god! <laughs> like it could be Mama, and she's like, "Well, you know now, so we have to kill you," and that could be Ray's plan. 
to get them killed. Yeah, no, that's what I was thinking too. Like, because if, because if both of them, if the whole thing was to trick, if the whole thing is to trick Emma, like, and Norman is kind of going along with it, then he basically has to lead them to their deaths pretty much to ensure like how much of a liability it is. The more people know. Yeah. Like, again, it's cruel, but who knows? Like, again, I'm fascinated to see, like, how, like, all the different mind games are going to be playing from this point forward, because the only thing that's preventing the main character from escaping at this point are each other. Yeah. Like, yeesh. I'm... I'm looking forward to this next episode. This series is an absolute treat to watch. Next up. Next up is Quintessential Quintuplets. Waifu War continues. Yes, the Waifu War continues. So, here's a fun fact. Rex, do you know the basis for their name, like the naming convention for these characters, like the five girls? Uh... No. No. Okay. So, it's actually the num- it's actually the it's actually the, the first five numbers because Ichika, Ichi Ichika ni Nino and then Mitsu is is the Japanese word for third, which Miku, and then Yotsu is Yotsuba, which is fourth, and then Itsuka, and then Itsu or Itsuki is five. Not joking. I noticed. Oh, it- is that like is that like the term for like first, second, third? Uh, for, well, the first two are because the- I because I know uh, like three is San. Well, yeah, it's Ichi. Yeah, first it, the first two are Ichi and Ni, so one and two, and then the last three are three are third, fourth, and fifth. Okay, so there's so, di- so it's a different word for three and third, I assume. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Because well, I know like different letters have, or different numbers have different names. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's pretty cool, though. Yeah, it's apparent. I think that um, uh, there was another show that did something like that, or another harem series that did something like that. Is uh, Ichigo One Hundred Percent, where all the uh, uh, main female leads were named after the cardinal directions. Mm. Yeah, so I wonder if that's just a habit where all the characters just have some kind of. Uh, like naming convention about them, but I just thought that was a cool little uh, piece of trivia. So the whole plot of these two episodes was we need to go see the fireworks, guys. Well, and uh, taking Raiha out to an arcade. Oh yeah, because uh, yeah, Uisugi is like, oh, and I can't, can't, I can't accept this money, but he eventually accepts it and like takes Raiha's out Raiha like, to do stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's like Raiha. Is there anything you want to do? I want to go to an arcade. And then her, she basically drags uh, Itsuki along to that arcade mm-hmm. <laughs> because oh, because she's got Emoto power. <laughs> yeah, it just looks like uh, a couple and their daughter, pretty much. Exactly. And, and like they have to take like photo shoot and yeah and stuff. I mean, and then but after all that, like then the next epi- like the next uh, part of the episode, and then the entirety of the next episode is all about trying to get the girls to see the fireworks. Yeah, I like the I like the under. The message in this, uh, in these episodes of, uh, Uisugi kind of coming upon the realization of, yeah, why am I helping you? Like, yeah, because what is all the point of this? It's actually, and it's actually a pretty, like, uh, <laughs> I'd say it's almost like a satire on that kind of, on that trope in particular. And because yeah. <laughs> think about every harem show, because the main character, like the main guy always gets involved with like the main girl for reasons mm-hmm. and this is actually like you know that's a good question why the fuck am i helping you, you guys yeah. suck yeah and even he acknowledges it's like yeah that's a good point why am i helping you from a logical standpoint it makes no mm-hmm. sense uh, it's because like it started off as financial game yeah and now i think he's gotten to the point where he 
he kind of has general genuine concern for the mm-hmm. girls and like yeah. how as, they're slowly starting to like drift apart as a family. Yeah, and then of course uh, he says the absolute the absolute worst thing to girls. It's like like it's like oh we're friends. Nope, we're just acquaintances. Yeah. <laughs> and he says that like twice and then pisses off like two of the sisters, Ichika and Miku. Yeah, is the stereotypical like protagonist uh, oblivious yeah obliviousness to obliviousness the, yeah yeah although i think really the only person who has any legitimate feelings for him at this point is uh, miku like ichika kind of towards maybe the, maybe at this point yeah at yeah. the end of the episode yeah like cuz he like falls asleep in her lap yeah exactly and there's actually a not so subtle kind of hint at that when uh, when I- when they were lighting off fireworks together because after this whole, like, bit where we realized that Ichika's secretly an actress, I was worried that they, she was, like, doing some kind of compensated dating Yeah, shit. that was really good writing there, because yeah. I was, like, because originally, yeah, it was, like, compensated dating, and then it kind of led to think that she was, like, a hooker yeah. for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turns out she just didn't want to admit it because she was really embarrassed, and she, she, or she wanted to impress her sisters, but she didn't want to tell them uh-huh. until... She actually got Yeah, because she wouldn't there. be able to face them if if she yeah. told them and wasn't able to make it. Because there's a... She was actually under a lot of pressure. Yeah. Uh, because she's like, oh, I'm the oldest sister, so I have to be the, the, you know, the most successful and all that. Absolutely. So after that, like, you see, like, them... It was like, okay, we've got five fireworks left. Everybody grab the one that you like the most. And then they exit... And then Ichika and Miku both grab the same firework. It's like, well, that rarely ever happens. And it kind of makes me wonder, hey, it's not it's a not-so-subtle wink to the fact that Futaro uh, <laughs> is basically the firework that they both like. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, hey, it's like, hey, totally not obvious foreshadowing. But I really, I thought that was kind of funny still. It was, a like, this show is, it's a wholesome harem done really good. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that by the end all of them are going to like him. Yeah. Uh, I just think that maybe some of them are going to like him, and then he's going to eventually pick Itsuki. I'm pretty sure based off the beginning thing, yeah, the like, wedding thing. Just and just the way that these shows typically go, it's like usually the first character that the uh the first girl that the main character interacts with is the canon interest. Like that's the canon path. All the rest of them are just side paths that nobody really cares about. Yeah, is is a really actually interesting take on a harem genre where they essentially show you who the girl he's going to end up with is in the yeah. beginning. Yeah. yeah. That never happens. That's <laughs> no like kidding. that's like most of the draw for harem shows is uh, who's it gonna be? Yeah, who's it gonna be? Even uh, though you totally the wheel, even though you totally know who it's gonna be because the wheels waited. Mm. Uh, we got a really heartwarming scene though in this episode or the most recent episode where Ichika had that like the moment where she was doing the audition. She's like, oh, I wonder how they'd smile. Or, yeah, yeah. And and she gave like a a genuinely nice like, looking smile because um, Usugi was pointing out like. Uh, he's like slapped her in the face or, or smacked her both sides of the face. Like, and then stop giving that what, stupid yeah. fake smile. It's like I can tell you're. It's like I can tell. And then even uh, it's like you try to pretend that you're cool with everything, but why were you shaking? Mm-hmm. But why were you shaking there in the alleyway? Yeah, Which, I, I really was like, like this protagonist. Uh, yeah, because he's not because he's not a complete dolt. Mm-hmm. Like he's actually smart. And then also on top of that, like. They kind of foreshadowed that he noticed that something was off because when she was uh when she was hugging him in the alleyway, he basically kind of was like, huh? Like he kind of noticed something was off, but then he didn't acknowledge that until <laughs> so, later. I really want to point out how weird the uh the agent guy is because he's like, 
huh, these people are making out. I'll just sit right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no take a hint. Yeah, I know, right? Also, what's up with that goddamn racism yeah, when yeah. she's in the alley and they're like... Yeah, this is the West. Yeah, it was like, oh, we're making out. Of course we'd have to be a couple. We're not in the West. It's like, <laughs> fuck you! It's like, yeah, Who do you think you are? It's like, what the fuck is that supposed <laughs> yeah. to be? As a Westerner, I'm very offended. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I don't give a shit. Now I'm going to go make out with this prostitute in an alley while I'm offended. <laughs> also... I want to say that when she was, uh, when, uh, Futuro was helping her, uh, was helping her audition, it's just like, I'm just going to read from the script. It's like, okay. And he's just like, and he just literally just reads it off in the most, uh, like, uh, like, oh my Lord Frederick. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I, I legitimately am enjoying this series though. Mm-hmm. Like these past two episodes were absolute treats Wholesome to watch. Harem. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, next up, we got uh, the Rising of the Shield Hero, which introduced us to yet another waifu. Yeah, a random naked bird lolly. Yeah. Why show? <laughs> because Boy, the internet got excited about that. Oh man! But yeah, totally not Chocobo waifu. By the way, she's called a filial, which or whatever, or they call her Philo. Yeah. But the race is filial. Yeah, but she's a Chocobo. Just yeah, look at her. She's a, a chocobo, fucking yeah. Chocobo. <laughs> But so the the duel in uh, the previous episode uh, was really cool to watch. Nafumi used a lot of clever, uh, if not very underhanded, <laughs> strategies. Well, yeah, I mean, when you can't when you can't use conventional weaponry, you have to sort of be tricky. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, he was pretty much winning. But the character everyone loves to hate, uh, mine, yeah, fucking cheating again. Yeah, I, I feel like ninety percent of her screen time is just cheating. <laughs> Yeah. And the other 10% is yeah. freaking that stupid... <laughs> oh, like, laugh. Yeah, the Ojo-sama laugh. Just, seriously, she's a freaking... Like, she is a complete bitch. Although, it do, this episode did address, like, a problem that some people did kind of acknowledge. It's like, okay, so there's, like, there's literally no evidence, and in spite of the fact that this is a... This is supposed to be a matriarchy, we have a king and stuff like that, so how did this... How did all this come about? It turns out that the king's in on it, and so is most yeah. of the nobility. It seems. And the king just cheats for his daughter, and the king sucks. And Nafumi unlocked, uh, it said he met the requirement for a curse series. Yeah. Uh, his little UI popped up, so that's probably, in the opening it showed him, like, it shows what? him, like, being a monster for him or whatever. Yeah, exactly, which, that's gonna be interesting when that eventually happens, whenever that happens. I'm, I'm liking uh, Ren and Itsuki a lot more. The, yeah. The sword and bow hero. Because they're um, because they're actually sensible human beings. Yeah, they're like, uh, no, she cheated. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we saw it. At this point, I'm sure they both realize that Naofumi probably didn't rape that girl. It's like, yeah, they they realize that something's kind of off. Like, like I can't necessarily blame them for thinking the way that they did because that was how that's just how things looked at the time. Yeah, that was all the evidence. All the evidence there pointed towards him being a rapist. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, yeah, but at this point, they're. They they stood up for him in they the even duel. Made sure, yeah, they, they stood up for him in the duel, and then when he was about to get denied payment, it's like, no, that's not fair. It's yeah. like that's just total bullshit. Stop being a cunt. It's like it's like hey, <laughs> it's like because you, it's like we literally saw her cheat. It's like <laughs> there's no going getting around that she cheated. Yeah, and then Rastelia had uh, the moment where you know that thing where it's like. Oh, can I copy your homework? And it's like, oh, sure, just change it up a little bit so we don't get in trouble. Yeah. It's just like, uh, copy-paste the scene from ReZero, 
to oh, this yeah. where, oh, yeah. where Rem was holding Subaru and calming him down. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, Ralph Talia had her little Rem moment, which Wait, no, the um uh but or wait, the Rem moment? Because the uh because I'm pretty sure it was Amelia that he was like ha- was using no. as a lap pillow. No, when the the, the, the Rem part. Yeah. Where okay. she was like when she held her arms open and, okay, and, and calmed one. him down. Yeah. The part okay. that ever that made her fucking everyone Best girl. Yeah, everyone loved her in that show. Yeah, and hate Amelia, which Amelia's not a bad character. <laughs> she's just not Rem. That aside, the whole thing, like, he can taste food again. Yeah, which I don't understand how, uh, um, how that works. I, maybe it's like he's he's stopped hating things as much. It The way that I've kind of interpreted it is the fact that he had, just because of his own misery, he had just kind of, like, blocked off, like, the way, like, his perception of the world. Like, everything was just kind of shitty. Like, food was kind of bland. Raftalia never aged. In his eyes, for the longest time, Raftalia was still the little girl. Like, it was kind of revealed that he didn't see her as the actual, um, uh, like, oh, yeah. what she looks like now. Now, now we got, uh, an actual explanation of how that works. Yeah, exactly. As they <laughs> level up, they get older, too. Which, that's gonna suck. Does that mean that if she, like, levels up to, like, a ridiculously high level, she's gonna get super old and fucking die? There's, there's probably, like, a cap on it, I assume. Like, maybe. she'll probably get to the point where she looks like a very mature woman, and then it'll probably stop. Yeah, maybe. Or she'll just stop aging right, right, right then and there. Yeah, who knows. But then... And I like how, like, when uh, Raftelia was getting her slave crest, like, re, like, re-imprinted, which she didn't have to do, by the way. Yeah, that was an interesting choice on her part. Like, she's like, oh, I want it as a symbol of my affection for you. I, I still think I'm like... Ugh. That's unhealthy. <laughs> it's like, that's not good. It's like, that's not healthy at all. Yeah. Like, I hope they don't... I hope they don't treat it as such. But I guess as long as they're happy. I mean... Who am I to judge? Eh. And then I like how, like, the slave... How the slave trader is all trying to... It's like, hey, t- buy one of these eggs! Yeah, and the, buy one of these totally not gotcha eggs. Yeah, you even said it was a gotcha game. And then the, uh... <laughs> and then now Fumi said, what is this, a gotcha game? Yeah. Uh, it was really cool seeing the medicine and magic shop mm-hmm. kind of like realizing that he's not a bad person because the, yeah. it was the positive repercussions of him helping the village ended up kind of making a lot of people see that he's a good person. Yeah. Like he was just kind of put into bad circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was really cool because now, because we figured out that he unsurprisingly is good at protection and healing magic. Yeah. Through, I, I think through Nafumi's actions and Raftelia kind of supporting him, uh, people are slowly going to realize that all the 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 narrative of him raping the girl is bullshit, and he's actually a really nice. Also person. the also the cabal of creepy ass spot like mass spies that just like to show up out of nowhere. Oh yeah, for for mine. Yeah, like I want to point out, like at the beginning, where when we're introduced, like there's this other kingdom that's like it looks like something out of a steampunk show, like. Like this heavily industrialized, like steampunk kingdom, and then there's and on the other side of the mountains, there are these neighbors, and in the steampunk kingdom is where the freaking uh, where the freaking spies are from, and it's just like here we have a message for you, uh, Malty, because I think that's actually her yeah, actual yeah. name. I think it is too. Yeah. But then, uh, like, okay. I also, I love that she's basically trying to use like her royal decree. It's like, hey, let's get Motoya- let's get Motoyasu lord of this freaking village, and we're going to we're going to increase a toll like fifty silver pieces to get in and fifty silver pieces to get out. Yeah, when it costs like a silver for to room stay, and board. Yeah, to stay at an inn for the night and yeah, yeah and buy food like with food included. 
Yeah. The uh, the chocobo hatched. Yeah, the also, chocobo uh, hatched into a tiny bird, and then, yeah. and then finally into a full size. Yeah, chocobo. which that was I'm sure to call it chocobo. Yeah, it's a chocobo, <laughs> but or you could call her Philo because that is her name. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the race fucking mine ends up cheating again three times like during the race. It's like uh, in Motoyasu's defense, I don't think he realized that she was cheating. Mm. I also think that he's not a terrible person. I think he's just really stupid. Yeah, he's really stupid and really easily manipulated. And, and I, I think eventually he's probably going to end up uh, realizing all the shitty things that, have, that he's been doing. I hope, at least. I hope. Because I don't think, like I said, I don't think he's a terrible person. He's just really, 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 really dumb. Yeah, really dumb. Like, I think it was hilarious, though, when uh, when he was, like, mocking, uh, he was mocking the chocobo. Oh, yeah, kicks him in the dick. Yeah, kicks him in the <laughs> dick and he goes flying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a little satisfying. I just want to see someone either... I want to see someone do something to mine in the range of slapping and disemboweling. You know, somewhere in between. Right? Yeah. I'm not too picky as yeah. long as something happens. Yeah, me too. And I think it was actually really cool. Like, it when... Uh... When another hole appeared during the race, and then he basically uses airstrike shield to create a barrier mm-hmm. to, like, <laughs> jump off and then win the race. Yeah, he still wins, even though she cheats numerous times. So, yeah. so Nafumi, Nafumi was was the stakes that he owns a village now? Uh, no, he doesn't or own Or is it just that uh, Motoyasu doesn't? Motoyasu doesn't own the village. Uh, okay. I'm pretty sure Loot Village is still owned by its current lord. They were going to, uh, they were going to say, here, we're collecting money. It's like, it's oh, like yeah. no, you know what, keep, it's like, you mm-hmm. know what, keep your money. I don't want people to think that I'm stealing your war- your restoration funds. Mm-hmm. He's like, fix the carriage and give yeah. me that thing. And then they go a step further and give him a, a merchant. They give him basically a oh, merchant yeah. pass, which yeah. is like, here, if, you, if you're if you interested in being a trader, this will exempt you from any tolls and levies that, like, in the freaking uh, other towns and stuff. Yeah, it's a pretty which, good plot device. Which is really cool. And it's a novel concept for a series like this. You never expect to see, like, in an isekai show, like, a person becoming a trader. Uh, yeah, that was one of the most interesting parts of Log Horizon was, like, yeah. the whole, um, Crescent Moon Burger scheme. Oh, yeah, that's right. That he came up with. Yeah, that was really, that was really clever. Want more of that show? Yeah, it's probably not gonna happen anytime yeah. soon. Reasons. Because of, yeah, because reasons. <laughs> and then, like I said, then we get, Fil- like, Philo turns into, like, a... Like it was a small bird, she turns into a slightly bigger bird, and then she turns into a full-size bird, then she turns into a big-ass fat bird, and then I guess just the natural transformation is a random naked bird lolly. Yeah, well, we saw her in the opening, so I'm assuming she has the ability to switch back and forth, probably. Yeah, maybe. Like, she's gonna be the one that pulls the carriage, but also she can be a token lolly when needed. Yeah, exactly. So, last on our list is Run With The Wind. The boys finally made it. Yeah. They uh, they finally made it. Made it all to the qualifier. Uh, Haiji reports everything to the coach, which I keep forgetting exists. Yeah. Because he's like he's the coach. He's the f- official coach for the team. I mean, yeah. usually Haiji does all the, the coaching. Yeah, all the coach stuff. Although I'm assuming probably Haiji probably asked him for advice a lot of time, like off screen probably. Yeah, I imagine so. Like, And that's certainly what it seems like he was doing here mm-hmm. and then uh i thought it was hilarious i thought it was hilarious when uh the the old man was just kind of sitting at the table just saying hey my legs don't work quite the well my hips and legs are shot they don't work the way they used to but then he heard something at the door and like he like springs up and gets ready to go <laughs> mr miyagi on somebody's ass 
And it's just like, well, your legs and hips seem to work perfectly fine. Yeah, he's just a lazy old man. Yeah, he's just a lazy old man. He just wants to read his papers. Yeah, exactly. And I just want to say that I wonder I wonder who the sponsor for this show was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sapporo logo I, and everything. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Sapporo, guys. Yeah. So, I want to say, like... The whole, like, they're just putting into our heads, like, just how difficult the qualifier is going to be. Just, like, how big the track is and stuff like that. Because this is a 20K. 20 kilometers. That's freaking insane, for one thing. But, and then, just, like, seeing, like, how hard they're training. And the race itself. Like, when they finally get to that race. Holy crap. Is it good. Yeah, the... I think we said before that it's all it's all really mundane, but in a really fantastical way. Yeah. Uh, just like the sound design, the music, uh, everything, when they're running, it makes it look so exhausting. And I'm so invested at this point that it's it's really important to me that they that they win this race. Yeah. Like, or at least make them in the top ten. I yeah, I was hoping like I. Like, I didn't... I always kind of expected that they would at least get into the qualifier. Like, I don't expect them to win the Hakone Oh, uh, yeah, I don't point. either. I, I, I just don't. Like, I just don't think it's going to be that type of show. But I think they're going to try their damnedest, and they're going to... I think it's going to be, like, just a good experience for all ten of them. Mm-hmm. Like, even Prince. Like, holy crap, he's come so far. Yeah. Like, it was... Man, his was actually the hardest, I think, to watch, like, in, the, like, the final stretch of the race. <laughs> yeah, he's just, like throws up and keeps running yeah like how he's first trying not to throw up and he's like swallows it oh yeah just like <laughs> this was a mistake which in every anime i, f- I feel like throw up is is uh, represented as like sparkly liquid yeah <laughs> they don't want to show it being anything they don't want to show it being anything particularly yeah. gross i or, guess or like in konosuba how it's just like rainbows i mean that makes sense though it's aqua <laughs> she's a goddess goddesses vomit rainbows and yeah. don't wear underwear yeah apparently Eh, she wears Schrodinger's panties, let's be honest. It seems like they somewhat, they exist, but don't exist at yeah. the same time. But anyway. Uh, Musa pointed out a thing that he thinks that the twins, so he thinks that uh, Hana likes one of the twins. Why not both? Yeah, <laughs> being both. <laughs> because as Kakaru pointed out, they're both basically the same person anyway. Yeah, that'd be awkward. <laughs> but I think that... I think that's hilarious. Seeing Prince, see, not Prince, seeing King have a proper running stance is actually kind of jarring. Oh, yeah, because he's usually, like, hunched over. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so Haiji, worried about, I'm worried about Haiji, because at two points in the race, he ended up hurting his uh, his knee. Yeah. Like, like, the first part when the guy fell down, and the next part where he was trying to, like, sprint ahead. Yeah. So well, I don't... So it was No, it was before that. Like, his it? leg had started his leg had started acting up, and he basically was just saying, no, I'm not going to let this affect me. I'm going to push through it, pretty much is what it seemed like. Because, his le- because, like, everything cut to negative, which was a really cool shot. Everything cut to negative, and, like, except for, like, the wound on his leg was, like, bright red. Yeah. Like, and then, like, you see him wince, but then grit his teeth and just start running faster. Yeah, and so he's made it to the qualifier, but I'm worried if he's going to actually be able to run in the Hakone Ekiden. Yeah, I don't... I, I think his doctor might end up being like, no, you shouldn't do this. Yeah. Which he's he's not gonna back out of that. Like, yeah. that's... He tried so hard to get there. Yeah, it, it was... When they... So, so talking about the announcement, because that was probably the best scene 
Oh yeah, uh, when they were announcing the winners, I, I mean, I let's was... not beat around the bush. It was predictable. Like obviously they were going to get announced, and of course they were just for the sake of tension, they were going to get announced last. It that was... being said, that being said, they certainly built up the tension enough, and they made you invested enough because of all the characters' reactions and stuff. Where it felt like maybe they wouldn't. Yeah, it's it's like I said when uh, when Prince was. Mm-hmm. Uh, before he made the time to actually be in the qualifier, yeah. I was worried that it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Like the writing, uh, the suspense, and everything in the show is done so well that I don't like. I'm I'm never confident that anything's going to work out. Yeah. And that's super well done. Yeah. Just just on stand, just based on standard writing conventions and stuff like that, we've seen these kinds of stories like play out multiple times. Yeah. Before. Usually, you can tell the main character is going to be able to do yeah. whatever he's trying to do. Yeah. Exactly. But here they kind of just made, they kind of made it just like you just doubtful enough to where you go, crap, maybe they won't. Mm-hmm. And then when they finally figure out, it's not like a, it's immediately not like a woohoo kind like, of thing. They're just, shocked. Yeah, it's everyone struggling to, wait, like. Did we really? And you see. Like, uh, like, this... King is covering his ears. Yeah. King's <laughs> got his fingers in his ears like, I don't even want to hear this. Yeah. Like, and then everybody, and. Like, all their reactions just feel, like, genuine. Like, mm-hmm. Hygie, like, being absolutely speechless, but still being happy, just looking up towards the sky, like, looking like he's about to cry. Mm-hmm. Man, just everything about this episode. Even, like, Prince, when we, we find out, like, Hana tells him, it's like, you make, like you beat the 200s. Like, you just see, like, the faintest of smiles on his face, like... Even though he looks like he's in great pain. Yeah, that will. I mean, it was pretty impressive. He, like, I think he he managed he managed to finish in the top one hundred out of two hundred people. Uh, the, yeah. Well, he beat the two hundreds. Was it? Yeah, he didn't. As in, he yeah, was, yeah. As in, oh, okay. So wait, wait. he was in the top. He was in the top two hundred, but he wasn't like number two hundred. Uh, okay. Well, how many people were there? Uh, like I don't know, quite a few. Like yeah, there were like a lot of there, there were like three, four hundred people, mm-hmm. maybe more. But I want to say like. I love it when ser- when sports series actually show you like um, uh, things where things don't always work out. Like the guy who tripped, like we see him like get up and start to run again, but then later we see him like Prince running past him, and he's like broken. He's like breaking down, actually yeah. crying. Like and he's for a rival team, but at the same time, it's just like, geez, that's gotta suck. Yeah, like just seeing him like break down, just saying, "I'm sorry." Like I just wasn't good enough, pretty much. That's got to be heartbreaking. Yeah, for sure, especially for something you spend like months, if not years, training for. Exactly. Like, and you just felt like you let yourself down, you let your team down, all that good shit. But the the, the boys made it. <laughs> the boys, the there's, boys made it. But I love the talk uh, uh, when they're just walking back and they're just kind of like in disbelief. Yeah. And, and then um, the twins like talk to Kakaru actually. Does Haiji want to win this? I really don't think that's possible. Yeah, like they, it's like they averaged like seven minutes faster than we did. Yeah, and, and the yeah the thing is like the whole time they were like, uh, like cheering on, like yeah, we're gonna make it to the qualifier and we're gonna do the qualifier, and this is like the first point where you see the twins like actually second guessing themselves. It's like yeah, we made it to the qualifier. It's like, but it's like, what does Haiji mean when we're gonna yeah. reach the top? It's like it's just seeing that difference in. And speed. Yeah. Just, like, reality finally hitting them. And I'm assuming that when they say seven minutes faster, like, I'm assuming that's per kilometer. Because on average, like, because they say that on average, like, the, like, speed per kilometer should be about, like, three minutes. Mm. Like, or so. But for them, it was, like, ten minutes. Like, when they averaged, when they calculated, like, the speeds of all their teammates. 
So I imagine that the other teams were just that much faster. It's going to be interesting, though, seeing Kakaru, like, going up against Sakaki, though. Oh, yeah, because their team made it, too. Yeah, their team is, like, one of the top, was in the top team that made it. They were the number one qualifier. No, I don't think, no, they weren't the number one. The uh, number they, one was, like, the exchange students. No, the no, no sure. the exchange students were all, like, going to different schools. Like, Sakaki's, oh, okay, yeah, gotcha. Sakaki's was, um, uh, Sakaki's were blo- um, blue tracksuits, like, dark blue tracksuits with white stripes, and they were, like, the number one qualifier. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, and also, speaking of exchange students, Kakaru managed to beat one. Oh, or, yeah. Like, or at least was, tie one. That was a really cool, um, artistic moment where he... He got into, like, it looked like he got into a trance where he didn't even realize how fast he was going. Yeah. Uh, he just wanted to go faster and faster. He wasn't even paying attention to any of the other racers. Yeah. Uh, and then you see, right when he crosses the finish line, he looks back and realizes, it's like, whoa, where is everyone else at? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then even the other, like, exchange student just kind of walks up to him and pats him on the back, basically. Yeah, that like, was hey. really cool. It's like, um, hey, you did a good job. Good humility there. Yeah, that was really cool. I... I freaking love this show. Like, again, I never thought I'd be this invested in a show about running a long distance. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I totally am. Like, this show is great. Mm-hmm. That's going to be it for um, uh, week five and six of uh, Time Sync Anime Podcast. Winter 2019. Yep, winter 2019. Uh, we we got some stuff we're working on right now. Um, we're working on a... We just finished watching Seriously Jaeger. Which, Which was, was really good. Yeah, it was an um, enjoyable show. We're working on getting a review out for that soon. Uh, we're also going to be putting out our mid-season review, where we're going to be talking about some shows that you know people might not have been picking up on, and some stuff we've been watching on the side. You know, our favorites so far. Uh, that that kind of whole thing. Glad to be back, guys. Thank you for tuning in. And yeah, we'll sorry see- for missing last week. Yeah, we we're very sick. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we'll see. We'll see you on the next episode, guys. Until then, take care of yourselves.